0: I'm not tired, and it's so late. Moving fast, everything looks great. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, where with me, Rory McNamara, you will go back in the time machine to August of 1999, where we will be looking at all things World Championship Wrestling. Joining me in my quest this month, the not-at-all-reluctant Mr. Dan Welling. Dan, champing at the bit to get on this particular show, were you not? No. <laughs> were you not doesn't mean no. It's an... It's a, negative introducing a positive but uh, i think well let's put it this way after
1: stepping into the breach of hosting a show for the very first time and doing it my absolute best and a fine I job like, you did so i like to think that i would be rewarded in some way and, and not having to review sturgis
0: are you saying this is not a reward oh yeah it's, that's gratitude for you is it not ladies and gents it's It's Sturgis. I mean, why? (laughs) Why give me this assignment? I will let you stew on that for a minute more while I just do a couple of quick plugs for us. Two other shows coming up this month. Uh, ECW show has already been released. Looking at the ECW on TNN debut. And our WWF volume looking at SummerSlam 99 and two big world title changes. You can indeed find us on Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash wrestling 20 years. Donate anything you can. It's all greatly received keeps the show on the road to make sure we can keep on doing this for as long and i do mean as long as we possibly can and yes by that i do mean forever but it is now time to strap ourselves in or strap ourselves on the bikes if you will yes it's going to be a bike metaphor day everybody let's head down to sturgis and we when you're after this next sound it will be august 99 with dan taking you through the news headlines eric bischoff loses it he most certainly does. So, everybody, I'm going to quote verbatim from the PW Torch. So, Eric Bischoff held a backstage meeting with all of the wrestlers who were in Las Vegas for Nitro, towards the end of the month, and offered a release to anyone who is unhappy. Bischoff started the meeting by singling out Raven and lecturing him for his negative comments about WCW on the ManCal radio show. Bischoff said he would grant any unhappy wrestlers their release from WCW. Raven stood up and left the room, indicating he wished for his release bischoff then turned his attention to conan for using inappropriate language during a promo at a weekend house show and ray mysterio jr for using the term hershey highway on last week's nitro so sweet and innocent he asked them what six-year-olds would think about the remarks conan asked bischoff what the difference is between what he said at the house show to the rednecks quote you haven't had pussy since pussy had you end quote, and the language Randy Savage and Dennis Rodman had been using on Nitro. Bischoff avoided the question and instead chewed out Conan for complaining too much. Conan eventually stood up and apologised by saying, what I said was stupid and I shouldn't have said it. Later in the meeting, Bischoff ripped Bug... <laughs> bug Bagwell. <laughs> Freudian slip ripped Buff Bagwell for his role in the pre-pay-per-view fight he had with Ernest Miller, more on that later, by telling him to quit acting like a kid and start acting professionally. Bischoff also ripped on Public Enemy for recently voicing their opinion about having to do a job to Sid and refusing to take a double chokeslam. Bischoff concluded the meeting by telling the wrestlers that he plans on kicking Vince's ass and said WCW would do it with or without anyone in particular. Immediately following the meeting, several wrestlers made phone calls including Raven, who is said to have called Paul Heyman within 10 minutes of walking out to see if either the WWF or ECW would be interested in their services. While the WWF officially said they couldn't talk to anyone under contract because of tampering laws, some say there were indications given that they would be interested in several wrestlers should they gain a full release. We will return to this topic shortly. Road wild on your bike. (laughs) Quite right. The Well, third annual Road Wild, because it's only been Hog Wild once in 1996, although Gene did slip the H-word once or twice on the Nitros leading up to it. Once again, back to Sturgis for the annual Eric Bischoff Circle Jerk, in which the main event was won by the red and yellow clad, oh yes, the red and yellow clad Hulk Hogan. We will return to that shortly as well. Defeating Kevin Nash in the main event, the same like of which you have seen every single year from 1984 to 1996. The undercard was kind of all right, really. Uh, the rumours are that this will be the final road, world because quite simply, it doesn't turn much of a profit. But not just commercially. I think we can safely say it is creatively as well. But it will of course, break down the entire show for you later on in this broadcast. The senior tour. Next stop, Stanford. Yeah, two big names are reportedly wanting to be released or just being allowed to go. First off, Rick Flair, I think we talk about this every, every fucking month. Ric Flair, when he tried to get out of his contract this particular month, uh, for which he was happy to pay $1 million for the privilege. I'm not sure Ric Flair is still these days in the position to throw money around like confetti. Uh, been there, done that, uh, had T-shirts taken off him, but never mind. However, he was unable to do so. Uh, it is rumoured that anybody leaving the company ahead of contract will have an immediate 18-month no-compete clause slapped into the small print in which they cannot work for the World Wrestling Federation. As has been said in all of the sheets this month, can you really envision Ric Flair bumming around the Indies or even ECW for 18 months? I don't think so, but he is still reportedly unhappy. Apparently, I'm sure this will shock you, the straw that broke the camel's back was him being asked a job too. You beat me to it. Shane Douglas. Of course it was. So latest in Ric Flair is about to leave news next month. And every single month, WCW continues to exist. And Randy Savage, too, has effectively gone on strike and made very fitful appearances appearances on Nitro after his match with Dennis Rodman. Yes, his match with Dennis Rodman at the Road World pay-per-view. Not very happy creatively, of course, as is always the case when they're not making money together. A certain Mr. H Hogan, Esquire is the main object of his ire. Rumours are that he could be leaving as soon as January 2000 when his contract expires. A lot of people in WWF, we talked about the tampering laws earlier, but they don't seem to apply here. Very keen on bringing old Macho back to the fold. So watch this space. Oh yeah.
1: Booking team change number
0: 2689. Well, yes, if they can exaggerate Sids that i can exaggerate the amount of booking changes in the last year that's if i am exaggerating it of course which i'm not sure i am so as we understand it this is the current booking team for wcw as of the end of august 99 oh heading the booking team at the moment are the aforementioned eric bischoff and indeed hulk hogan stay impartial rory stay impartial underneath them we have supposedly kevin sullivan who's always knocking around Dusty Rhodes, who a lot of people want to be promoted to main booker, and of all people, Mike Graham, who, if you have forgotten, had a brief run in the um, so-called light heavyweight division for World Championship Wrestling in late 91, early 92. Kevin Nash is on a bit of a sabbatical at the moment. Six weeks out of the ring and apparently six weeks off the booking team as well, although... It is said that somebody has promised him a roll back at the head of the booking team when he eventually gets to recharge his batteries, because we all know he needs to do that. Reports from everybody up and down the card that they just quite simply very rarely even know what they're supposed to be doing. Bishop and Hogan's ideas only really concern Hulk because, of course, they do. Things are being lost in translation. And don't be surprised if there are five more changes by the time we bring our next show to you in four weeks' time. And finally, a New Year's Eve pay-per-view. Kiss it. I think we're going to have to. Yes, on the ill-fated, I think we can call it now, Las Vegas edition of Nitro. Uh, the show ended with a live performance by Kiss. Yes, Kiss. They were dug up out of Muppets to do God of Thunder. But the fact that a certain character, who I believe is going to be a regular character going forward, called what else, the Kiss Demon, played by Brian Adams, at least at the moment, going to be a weekly fixture. Now part of the Trade off for Kiss doing this live performance was that there was going to be a tie in New Year's Eve WCW pay per view slash Kiss live show. (laughs) Millennium bug, come and take me now. But, however, due to the appalling rating that the Las Vegas Nitro did, which we'll bring you imminently, all plans have been shelved. But sadly, the Kiss demon is very much around. Who, and indeed Ray. At least Kiss didn't do "Cold Gin," which, of course, the owner everybody is the worst song in the history of recorded music. Dan, we're not going to talk about Kiss just yet. Let's talk about the Eric Bischoff meltdown. Um, in the last three years, Eric Bischoff and Hubris that they do make easy bedfellows. But now, August '99, he's talking about kicking Vince's ass. Uh, are you going to tell him or shall I?
1: Ironically, it's for the people that arguably wanted to leave are some of the people that he could could have used to defeat vince's rather than some of the people that he's choosing to put back but uh anyway yeah pressure does weird things to you i guess and uh, this is definitely the, the sign of um a man who probably is struggling to keep everyone on board for obvious reasons and this is not good for talent morale. I mean, like how, you know, where we all had jobs where the big company meeting takes place, where the CEO addresses the problems and and says, things are looking up and things are going to get better. We just need you on side. You don't do it by threatening or asking everyone to leave. They can go. And I just love how brazen Raven is by just going, yeah, I'm my way. Bye. Just as soon as you said it, you know, even if you wanted to leave, you just, you just kind of, you know, do it quietly. Like Kippen and Ray, and, uh, Ray Mysterio tried to. Raven just goes away. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, and I feel sorry. For, you know, Conan makes rightful points about how Bischoff will chew people out for for use of language for some people, but rules apply differently to other people, and it's it's hypocritical at best and it's in to- and it's toxic at worst. To me, this again, this is just panic. This is abs- this is the sign of a man who is is almost at the end of his tether, has lost the completely morale of the dressing room. And, you know, the football analogy, this is, you know, the next few months are critical for him. If he can't turn the ratings around now that he's lost, you know, um, Nash is a powerful ally, potentially in the booking department, and all the a is once again back onto a certain red and yellow munchkin, then it's going to, you know, that morale is not going to get any better because we all, they you know, they've seen how bad he is feeling it right now, and that's not good.
0: No, it really isn't. Uh, There's a line in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead by Tom Stoppard. And one of the characters says, what good's a brick to a drowning man? And that's pretty much Eric Bishop at this point. He is just flailing around here and he ain't waving. He is most definitely drowning. This reminds me of the events of May 1998, where shortly after he suffered two ratings defeats after 83 successive weeks. He's there on the motorbike, (laughs) of course, Wearing a crown, proclaiming how good it is to be king. And the man had the nerve to do that in Providence, Rhode Island. Very much WWF country. Now, here he is again. The ratings are abominable, which I'll get to in a second. And he thinks he is in a position where he can just outright fire sack people willy nilly. Here's a reference for our listeners. Four years ago, there was a fly on the wall documentary about a Leighton Orient football club. And focus on their manager he was particularly unhappy with a performance from two of their players to the point where he sacked them on the spot threatened to fight them on the spot threatened to win said fights and he was so confident of doing so said you can even bring your fucking dinner and i will still beat you up that is the image I got of Eric Bischoff in the in the WCW locker room. Although I doubt... oh well, no, who knows? Maybe he would have been confident he could actually take any of the locker room. I would indeed like to see it. But fair play to Raven. Let's, let's have a brief chat about Raven. Now, he has gone. He is going to be in ECW. He, by all accounts, will be turning up just in time for their TNN run. So I expect to, if he hasn't shown up already, probably in the next couple of weeks, Dan, we've had Raven around for two years. It looked as though they were going to re- repeat the whole Stevie Richards thing. We didn't really get very far with that. We had the Throck, which was a good idea, but never really got out of first gear. And he's just been bumming around since this stuff with Deadpool, which has now been ended, of course. Uh, a missed opportunity. Did he ever really fit in WCW? I don't think he ever really did. Um, I don't think he ever fit. I think he was... He could have done.
1: Yeah, there were there were seeds of, of, of growth there. You know, if there's, there's a semblance of idea there, but again, once 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 the uh, the powers that be kind of start taking interest in you, it's never really going to be going forward. And I think, you know, he, I think he had a good run sort of January to April 1998 time when he was in the U.S. picture with Benoit and DDP and that lot with the flock kind of, and Goldberg. I think that was pretty cool. But yeah, like for a character that was so unique for WCW and actually was kind of over as a heel, he never really reached his potential. I think that's fair to say. Um, And on the side of him, just like, and and you look at what they did with his character again this year with the whole—he's actually a rich punk from the city who is actually got a really wealthy family and that sort of stuff. That has that has irreparably damaged his character you know eat no matter what they try to do with deadpool and you know trying to be boot the flock angle it it was never ever going to work um and to be honest i think it's one of those instances where i know the money is great i know the perks are probably good but if you are unhappy in your day job and you just want out sometimes it's better for your overall health and your mental well-being to just get out of there and go back to somewhere that you know you're going to be good you know you're going to be over you know you're going to be adored um and just have a little bit of a break from this all, you know, all the toxic environment that's clearly in Raven's mind at least, you know, unmissable in WCW at the minute. No matter where you, when where he turns, he's 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 struggling, um, and he's going nowhere creatively. So this might be a, a this might be a bit of a fresh start for him. So I'm happy for him that he's leaving. There's a few other wrestlers that again in WCW right now that I'd be happy to see the back of, um, and go with some passes as new just so they've got a bit of a fresh start, but. Maybe Raven's the uh, the beginning of the floodgates because Jericho's already gone, obviously. Raven's next. Um, maybe more are going to come.
0: It makes you wonder, because Bischoff said it there, that if you're not happy, you can just leave. And I doubt that was a one-off. Right. People are going to think any, they might not have done it in the Las Vegas Nitro. They might have thought about it the next week. They might be thinking about it as we record this program. Like, well, if the boss doesn't want us here and they've used these two weeks to put some fevers out, and who knows where they'll be in a couple of months' time. This isn't just a one and done for Bischoff saying this. I think he's going to regret those words for a very, very long time. And if he ends up losing half of his mid card, which he can ill afford to do because they're one of the few high spots, pun intended, of their weekly programming, then things are going to get very, very bleak indeed. On that topic, before we hit the TVs, let me just break down the massacre in the ratings of one in particular. The 2nd of August, Raw defeated Nitro by 5.9 to 3.1. Nitro held at 3.1 on the 9th, but Raw did a 6.4. Jesse Ventura and all that. They went up to a 6.6 on the 16th of August. Nitro could climb to a 3.3, but that was small beer. And the all singing, all dancing, literally Nitro, on the 23rd in Las Vegas, pulled a 2.9 rating. The lowest I've got here for well over a year against Raw's 5.0. Nine. After footage of Harlem Heat ostensibly returning on Thunder last week, we start the month of Monday night shows in Shoe Falls with the Jersey Triad, keeping it disappointingly basic on the mic. Complete with a Benoit's mother is ugly joke that even your drunk uncle at a wedding would balk at. He then says that David Flair is better than Chris Benoit. Okay, I did like that one. The Heat then take on Bam Bam and Canyon in a non-title match. Paige tries to interfere, but Benoit snatches the belt from him allowing Book to score a pin. Here's your stinger, he's still the boss at the moment and yep, I needed reminding of that too. He wants help from Goldberg and gives him until 9pm to provide an answer. The cat goes over Lenny Lane or Lodi and Lenny and Lodi. Good Guy Hollywood is out, he is off to a health food store in Sturgis because he is freshly shaven or something. He makes slightly more sense by saying Nash wants his spot but like all the others, he will both try and fail to get it. But if Kavina has the guts, Hogan will put the belt on the line tonight. Sting wants his answer, that came round fast. Goldberg is about to respond, but he is ambushed by Sid and Rick Steiner backstage. The boss tries to save, but he gets beaten down too. Bill recovers, then chases them out of the ring. Discovery Evan Courageous is up, Inferno wins with The Last Dance. Tory and David Flair share dialogue about the US title, that can best be described as stilted. Shane Douglas teams up with Dean to face Morris and Flynn this one gets a fair bit of time. Douglas pins Jerry with the Pittsburgh plunge, they then make off with the Hardcore trophy to give it back to Finlay. Eh, That's nice. Rick Steiner is out and we're off the format sheet. He drags Scott Hudson from the commentary table and gives him a belly to belly suplex. Well, I thought he was okay. Bischoff takes over on the headset. Rick, come back! We're supposed to get Saturn vs. Duncan but Hennig is here to rabbit on about fellow country star, Chad Brock. Actual quote, He's short, fat, bold and ugly. And nobody likes that kind of person. Bobby jumps Saturn but gets DVD'd instantly. Perry wants Kurt now and the goading is successful. For a while as the rednecks come in. Milenko and Douglas, the latter taking his time, to see them off. Benoit vs DDP is a good one. Benoit reverses a cradle attempt for a three. He then pays by taking two diamond cutters. Gene brings out Macho. His campaign to be US president is currently on hold. Oh, shame. Gorgeous George is under lock and key and Hogan, Nash and Rodman are dead. He wants the latter out now but gets Mona instead. She wants her job back but Savage is going to make her beg for it, but to no avail as she is still fired. Now here's Dennis with the No Limit Soldiers. George is now his and I quote, Once you go black, you never go back. He then clotheslines Macho. Vampiro v Eddie is our next match. Raven shoves Gruira off the top rope and Vampiro gets a nail in the coffin for the win. Sting and Goldberg team up to face Sid and Rick. Note, him by Megadeth is now Bill's entrance music. Hogan joins us on commentary and stops Rick using a chair, which he then biffs Sid with for a DQ. Nash pops up and pops Hogan through the announce table. Tony is back on commentary as we go home to Road Wild. Sting has apparently just handed control of WCW back to the bigwigs. Dusty Rose has been named head of the Championship Committee and why is this all happening so quickly? Norman Smiley, Lash the Root, Prince Ikea versus Vampiro in the ICP, who are now known as the Deadpool. They win when one of the posse, uh, posse, hits Lash with a pretty good, actually, moonsault. The midgets, not my word, want Dusty to confirm to them things are going to change around here. He insists that they will. And he's not wrong when you take into consideration he was in the NWO last time we checked. Yep, things are changing. Nobody's telling us about them, but they're changing. David Flair then jumps Benoit, that was brave, and they'll have a match later. P.E. are back if they take on the rednecks, but that's a pinch of win Surely after Rocco does a Rocco. Mona gets to show her in-ring talents against one little genie. This is decent and as such is already light years ahead of what you get on the other channel. Mona wins with a very neat Indian Deathlock into a bridging pin. Hulk gives his son a suspiciously familiar costume and then gets beaten down by Sid, Nash and Steiner. Sting and Goldberg help the orange one, not that he really needed it. He then has a stipulation to Road Wild. If Nash wins, Hogan will retire. Don't tease me like that. Sting makes Nash put his career on the line too. That should mean Nash's, not Sting's, but who fucking knows with this company. Oh, and it's a six-man tag later. Charles is not refereeing David V. Benoit. Notable rules in force and Nick Patrick is in charge instead. So Benoit wins the US title to end this little experiment. Hopefully. Macho is here. He tells Rodman to look up eccentric in the dictionary. I won't say whether or not he needs to. And he will beat Dennis on Saturday. Savage was largely cheered here. Interestingly, Eddie and Ray team up with Adams and Taylor, and the crowd are hot for this. Finish here is Guerrero hitting the Frog Splash. Deadpool try their luck, but then Kidman is here to even the score. He now faces Disco, and it's a goodie until Deadpool show up again. Ray and Eddie show up, but despite helping his opponent, Inferno isn't about to make nice just yet. Buff tunes up for Sturgis versus former partner Scott Norton. DQ on behalf of the Slippers is what we get. The Jersey Trier try again to get the crowd to agree that nobody is better than Canyon. More terrible, your mother jokes, and then it's Canyon v. Booker. Belt shot and Flatliner do it for the bad guy. Jean brings out Rodman. Dennis, who's dressed like the second-hand sofa your grandfather bought in 1972, will get through with Rando Asshole, as he calls him on Saturday. Then George will make sure she knows she's his bitch. Penny for the thoughts of standards and practices. And so, to our main event. Take it away, Tony.
2: It is. He was born and raised in the USA. What are we... What? When... Oh my God! He is back! Hulk! Hogan! It's back! Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen him in that yellow. Look at him standing! Many of them wearing yellow girls! They're right yellow's back! It's just the beginning of another era right now. I I can feel it. I can't hear you. The fans are too loud. Can you hear me, Tony? I can't hear you either. Let's just listen. What an entrance. He's American-made. That's the song that took us by surprise. That took us... Took us a bag. But as I live a free, Hope Hogan is back looking better than ever before. I remember I had last week, Tony, National Hogan put it right through this table. Yeah, it could happen again. Yeah, Be ready to move. That's the Hogan.
0: Before we hit the pay-per-view, we need to really set the ground for who was in our main event. At our pay-per-view. As you would have heard, Mr. T. Schiavone there, working himself up into a bit of a frenzy. Or maybe somebody making sure he was worked into a bit of a frenzy. The return. The long-awaited return. The long, long long-awaited return of the red and the yellow. The strains of American-made churned up, and I do mean churned, and Hulk Hogan That Hulk Hogan came down to the ring for the main event six man tag teaming up with his friends Sting and Goldberg. I bet they love that one to take on the might of Kevin Nash, Sid and Rick Steiner. The moment has finally arrived after 37 months of Hogan in the black and a full five months after what looked like the supposed babyface turn. At Uncensored, we have now finally come full circle. I can think of nobody better to talk about this than our resident Hulkamaniac, as he just loves to be called, Mr. Dan Welling.
1: Why do you invite me on these shows like when he has serious... <laughs>
0: when he Try has and serious be as account- impartial as you can. Try and temper your fandom for this one. A, a few negatives here and there if you can. I know it's going to be difficult for you.
1: Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll dredge up the the um yeah you know, the inner bile in my heart. That <laughs> I'm is, sure. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. Go I on. mean, I mean, okay. So the the worst thing is, I can understand why they've gone for this because the the semblance of baby faces turns that Hogan has has put through has been very well received by the audience. Like there were moments, you know, in the spring when he was turning baby face against Ric Flair that. The crowd popped huge for it. And, you know, given how we all know how much of an egomaniac this man is, the semblance of a pop to him means that it is, you know, his God-given right to return to the, you know, the the saviour of the masses, that is a red and yellow Hulk Hogan, and all will be right for the world. You know, there were the things in the news this month about him but you going into Japan and Hogan going, Oh brother, if you get me on these shows, you will you will set out with the hot red and yellow. It's like, yeah, you, even though you aren't a draw in Japan, mate. So it's just <laughs> more evidence of this egomaniac running wild. But the problem this this is pure nostalgia. Everyone of whatever spell the red and yellow cast on people back in the eighties and early nineties, it still there, lingering and festering in people's minds. So whenever he comes out, he will get a pop for about one to two weeks. I I don't agree with it, but you know I can't deny how much of an impact he had on childhoods in, in the early eighties, and nineties, ten years ago. I can't deny that. And yes, when he did come out this month and on the 9th there was a pop. I'd like to point out again, it was nowhere close to the pops that Austin gets, The Rock gets. Goldberg got last year but there were pops I can't deny that however the problem with nostalgia is it only lasts for one or two weeks because people are like yay the Rainier, red and yellow yay and now what oh yeah now we remember why he was ridiculously lame and played out tired useless pathetic weak awful wrestler in the mid 90s that which is why he had to turn here in the first place this is not going to last and as we got to the point when at the last episode of nitro the bubble burst and this is why it is a terrible idea <laughs> because ultimately wcw is, is tanking right now in the races because they have nothing new to offer people For whatever the flaws that WWF have in their programming, it is different. It is new. It is with the zeitgeist. It captures the imagination of the public. And they have a top star who has not worn out his welcome. Hulk Hogan worn out, I mean that, Hulk Hogan worn out his welcome as a top star back in 1993. Six years later, we are doing this again. And it lasted two weeks. Just stop it enough of this we've we've tried this before in 1994 to 1996 it sucked it really did suck that's why he had to turn heel in the first place just end it there we you need to look you know for fresh ideas the original plan for this was for for hogan to turn back to the red and yellow and then turn heel again with fucking kevin nash and scott hall we did this three years ago even the, even, even the, they're trying to do the two hundred two old ideas in one week. This is how bereft of new, fresh ideas they are. It's, it's just a terrible idea. Like again, I, I understand from a nostalgia point of view why some people like this, but I did not watch the wrestling in the early nineties and the late eighties. I don't understand the appeal of this man, and ultimately. It's like, you know, let's be honest here. I started watching wrestling in the late, in the mid-90s WWF. I the zeitgeist for me is what WF bring and what ECW bring. And I what I look for in WCW is the amazing in-ring action that people like Chris Benoit, the the people like the Cruiserweights, DDP, these are the guys that I would like to see more of. And Goldberg as well, because he's fresh and new. Everything Hulk Hogan isn't you know wcw needs to look forward not backward upward not forward and always twirling twirling towards freedom upward forward not backward
0: okay uh well you only used egomaniac twice so we're getting better this isn't used bald bastard that was (laughs) you're saving that one for the main event of the pay-per-view aren't you Dan, who is the biggest baby face in wrestling at the moment uh, well, Steve Austin, objectively. Unless you're Chris Lacey, what well, you think is RVD. <laughs> yeah, you wonder why he's not on this show. You were right first time. And what does Steve Austin do? Uh, he just kicks ass, really. Exactly. Is it not fair to say that the reason people took to Steve Austin so quickly is that they were done with the Hulk hogan star babyface? Is that not fair? I-, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. People were done with... The Hulk Hogan style babyface, i.e. Hulk Hogan. You can go all the way back to Royal Rumble 92, when he was eliminated by Sid and the fans cheered. Fans cheered in Albany, New York. Alan Hogan pulled Sid out, he was booed. Yes, they sweetened the sound for the build-up to WrestleMania 8, but you get the picture. Hogan was booed for Red and Yellow, his first promos in World Championship Wrestling. And yes, I know, Flair Country, etc., etc., but they were definitely there. Heavy booze, regular Hogan sucks chance, late 95, early 96. They did what they had to do in the summer of 1996 with not a little effort. And we all know what is history there. If you want to relive it, by all means, go back into the archives and hear us discuss it month by month. Now is not the time. The red and the yellow vitamins, prayers, yada, yada, baby face. Done. History. Nobody wants to see it. You know, the kids who were into that sort of thing ten years ago—they've long since, long since grown up. It was old hat for them three years ago. Let alone, let alone in 1999. It's anathema. It's utterly anachronistic. Yet they think this is the way. <laughs> this was two weeks before Bischoff told the locker room that he was going to kick Vince's ass. This, this reheated circus act. And yes, they've been pleased with the reactions they've been getting, but look where they have been. They did it first in what you would call a very unsmart town of Boise, Idaho, where they see the old guy Hulk Hogan. They're going to cheer. And they did. Sturgis, not a wrestling crowd. They're going to cheer. And they did. Las Vegas, nah, a couple of booths sneaking in. Nassau Coliseum at the end of the month. Smart town, small, smart city, let's face it, smart area. A few more boosts sneaking in. So it's already starting to happen. And you alluded to it there, Dan. You're quite right to bring it up. That the plan was to turn Hogan heel again. And realign it with Hall and Nash. Um, on this one, I'm going to give Mr. Terry. Mr. Terryson the smallest modicum of credit. And then I'm going to take it away again. Because that's basically He ain't going to turn heel again now. He's, he's not... He probably told everybody that he was planning on doing it. But he just takes so much pride in this. Even if nobody else does. He's a very, very different character to Bret Hart as somebody who takes pride in being the hero. Bret Hart thinks he is. Hulk Hogan thinks he has to be because he is Team Hogan. Everything that comes with that. And he lives it. Don't you believe it? He lives it. But not in a endearing way. It's a cringeworthy way. And American made and the hand cut. It, It is yesterday's news. That the guys were... Go back and listen to our 1995 WCW pay-per-view reviews, if you dare. And every month, the guys are just saying on there, but it's the same old show, month in, month out. They weren't wrong. I don't know whose idea this was, whether it was Bischoff, whether it was Hogan's. It does, As long as it's one of those two, it doesn't really matter. They're in charge now, so there you go. But this is not going to continue. It is unsustainable. People don't want to see it. People don't want to be hectored. He's an uncool, cool, uncool school teacher guy. I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to say my prayers and take my vitamins. You know, I'll train when I want to fucking train. Thank you very much. And of course, now we all know what Hulk Hogan's training really involves. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. This isn't going to work. It's going to fail. The ratings are going to spiral. And I've almost been more negative than you on this one, Dan. <laughs> nah. Almost. Not possible. possible. (laughs) Defeated at the last. So, said Red and the Yellow, headlined off next. Go on, Rory, calm down. Calm down. It's a good pay per view coming up. Oh, yes, Road Wild. (laughs) Road Wild 1999. Dan, take us through the results.
1: Rey Mysterio Jr., Billy Kippen, and Eddie Guerrero defeated the Deadpool, consisting of Vampiro and the Insane Clown Posse. Harlem Heat defeated Canyon and Bamba Bigelow, representing the Jersey Triad for the tag team titles. The Revolution, Perry Sasson, Shane Douglas and Dean Malenko defeated the West Texas Rednecks by Woodham, Kurt Henning and Bobby Duncan Jr. Buff Bagwell defeated Ernest de miller Chris Benoit defended his United States title against DDP in a no disqualification match. Sid defeated Sting. Goldberg defeated Rick Steiner. Randy Savage defeated Dennis Rodman. And Hulk Hogan defeated Kevin Nash to retain his WCW World Heavyweight title in a retirement match.
0: And I will just say the tagline for this pay-per-view, it'll take more than attitude to ride out of here. Yeah, I'm sure they're really bothered. Dan, your thoughts on this pay-per-view? Uh, this,
1: again, this is quite faint praise. But for the very first time, I'm not considering... Road Wild as one of the worst shows of the year
0: pause for effect I'm only drinking I really should have had something stronger for that one you're not considering you are not considering Road Wild one of the worst shows of the year no bury it under potassium Okay. I didn't mind it much either obviously the usual Road Wild problems which we will get to as we go through the show We were talking about this off-air. I think my main issue with it, I probably would have enjoyed it a bit more if I had just watched each match individually. Taking the whole thing live in two hours 45, you can see the repetition. The holes are glaring. But match by match, and let's face it, we're going to go through this match by match, it was all right-ish with a couple of particular bright spots. But as is so often, when we hit the two-hour mark, Or in this case, when uh, dusk started to descend, darkness kicked in very, very quickly. Indeed. Well, let us go through Road Wild 99. Hild Hild, of course, in Sturgis, North Dakota. Hog might not like use of their name anymore, but American Iron Horse motorcycles do and get used to that one over the next three hours. The usual Sturgis crew are here in attendance and so too is last year's director. If you don't know what I mean about that, think Brazil at the World Cup, and you will get the picture. The weather is with us. Tony, Bobby, and Mike are our Tony, Bobby, and Mike are our easy for me to say commentary team, and what a bunch of goits they do look like. So let us kick off with a six-man tag match. Get used to that too. Uh, the Deadpool, represented by Vampiro, Shaggy Two Dope, and Violent J, against the team of Eddie, Ray, and Kidman. I swear that Mike just called ICP's new album The Amazing Chuckle Brothers, you know? Wish it was called that. No, <laughs> to me, to you, no slacking, etc. Anyway, the faces are in control early and in front of the hard camera we see both the hot dog and the lemonade stall. It will be interesting to see how busy they get at certain points during this show. Kidman and Ray flip into the ring when Eddie is the legal man in order to pop the crowd early. I think that's wise. And we get a very early Eddie chant. Spin kick by the great man and then a lovely monkey flip. Vampiro with a kick to switch the momentum. And then the ICP do some work on Guerrero on the outside. He gets trapped in the corner and then Violent J is in with some basic offense. Shaggy with the same, including a decent suplex. Vampiro back in and Eddie rallies with a superb rope-assisted Rana for which he gets applause. Works for me. Sort of chokeslam by Vamp but Kidman breaks up a pin. Double suplex now by ICP and their hearts are clearly into this. Good for them. Superplexed by Eddie, and he gets the hot tag to Ray. The usual dazzling stuff from him, including a pinfall attempt off an at Asai Moonsault. Raven grabs him, though, and sends him into the steps, but a Vampiro spike on the floor. Jay with a side slam back in for a two. Rib of the engines, and at least for now, I'm going to say I missed that. And then Vampiro does the powerbomb everyone can do on the WCW Nitro video game, as somebody in the crowd has a go at him for attacking such a small target. Shaggy with a good power <laughs> slam and Eddie saves. Uh, sturges crowd, everybody. Ray blocks a charge from a split-legged moonsault and now here's Kidman. Uh, drop kicks for ICP and then Eddie tilts a wall. Everybody in as Ray gets off the bronco buster. Vampiro kicks his own man and then Kidman executes the shooting star for the rather hurried win. Dan.
1: Uh, it was alright, yeah. It was a pretty good opener. Um... First thing after their performance at SummerSlam last year, thank goodness the ICP didn't sing their entrance theme to the ring. That's what I (laughs) thought. Yeah. And the props for you to actually say calling them by their actual full names rather than just the ICP as a collective. Because, yeah, Mike Taney was very full on with his, you know, I'm going to call them by their real names. And this is just ignorance on my part, but I never realised that they were actually... I don't know, backyard wrestlers back in the day. So when yeah. I saw some of the stuff that were oh, during a nitro of moonsaults and top rope leg drops and superplexes in this match, I was actually really impressed. Um so I kind of maybe that kinda of gave me a little bit more of an um inflated opinion of this match because uh, we've got another non wrestler in quote going on later on in the night and he was this these two blew him out of the water and not what they did. Um and yeah, I, I thought the crowd again were in pretty pretty into this match especially Eddie because uh I think this is his first match back on pay-per-view since his uh car crash as well yes, um yeah so yeah he he didn't look he hadn't it looked like he hadn't missed a beat he looks in incredible shape how much of that is down to other things I don't know but he looks ridiculously stacked in minute and yeah I just, I just think this guy's got style all over him I could say it we say it every every year really that he's this guy waiting to break out and he just never has done and the fact that the crowd were into him, he's he's so good in the ring. I just don't understand why he's not being pushed further up the card than the opening act. Um, So, yeah, all we can hope for is that in the year 2000, one of ECW or the WWF will use correctly because God knows ECW EC- isn't going to. <laughs> um, Yeah, and, and Perioduct were right. Um, ICP were basic, but they thought they looked pretty good when they actually got in the ring. Um, and yeah, like Ramis, that these are all good people, so I, I quite enjoyed this as an opening ad. The only bone of contention I might have a bit of controversy here, because we generally sing his praises on this podcast, but Kidman's shooting star press. It landed right on Shaggy2Dope's head. Now, we love Kidman on this show, but this is something that he has to correct a little bit here, because... He could really injure someone if he does this, if he continues to do this, where he kind of, you know, how he twists in the midair and he kind of lands side on. If uh, he continues doing this, he could really hurt someone. And I've, I have really just noticed it in this match, but I've noticed it. No you know when you kind of like have a moment where the glass breaks in your head and you kind of notice how much, you know, out of control his shooting star press is? Mm. That kinda of happened to me here and I thought, oh God, actually yeah, his that's that's this move's really dangerous if it's gone if it doesn't come off correctly. Um so if he if again, if he wants to kind of get a bit of a push up the up the card, which he might get after being persuaded to stay this month, um, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to fix that move going forward. But as a yeah, as an opening match I thought this was
0: pretty good. Um just yeah, very solid. Yeah, on the topic of Kidman, I think he did that was it to Regal on Nitro last month as well? Regal? No, it couldn't be Regal. Was it, was it, was it Regal? I think it was. It that maybe. Was, the, was that the match where Eric Bischoff came in and made the pin? You've probably forgotten about it. I don't yeah, like. Um, it. Okay, <laughs> there are probably other examples as well. Yes, um, nobody on this show is above criticism. I'm one or two exceptions. Yeah, Kidman just needs to be careful of that one. He's still got everything else done. Don't Don Kidman to go off the boil. No, he's somebody we have song the praises, obviously rightly say Dan very happy to continue doing so but Shooting Star Press maybe he's got a bit stoppy with it because he knows it's a guaranteed pop and he's not putting everything behind making it safe which should be the prime mover so just be careful that mm. really listening mm, but this match was alright, it was fine the Deadpool team obviously they've lost Raven since the course of this pay per view but they could have something, they're building a story with them, with Vampiro helping other people in matches and telling them that he owes, uh, they owe him, not sure what that means, but watching it going forward, ICP, they're, it sounds like I'm damning them with faint praise, and I don't really mean to, they're not incompetent, I think that's a fair way to put it, to call them competent wrestlers would probably be overstating it a bit, but they don't look completely lost in a drift out there at the same time, they're you can tell that they come from a garbage-slash-backyard wrestling background. There's no question about that. And there's no rhyme or reason or connection to anything they do. Uh, when they, in as much as they can, keep it simple, they're all right. They're clearly fans, and I take, unlike certain, somebody else we're going to mention a bit later on, clearly not just in this for the Missoula or to promote their album, although that probably helps a bit as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Missoula.
0: <laughs> I'm just far too put up. But, but, Missoula, Spondulix, you <laughs> yeah, can get it, get it all on this show. I don't make these up, by the way. I, there is no book of uh, Rory's Rory slang. Icey Fear, okay. Vampiro, on the other hand, probably thinks he's better than he actually is. He's very, very sloppy in the ring, and I like the Vampiro Spike. They've got two names for it, Vampiro Spike and Nail in the Coffin. It will still just be the plain old Michinoku driver to me, but what do I know? <laughs> yeah, solid <laughs> stuff here. Uh, the baby faces did their stuff, some, as you say, better than others. I would like to see all of them in another role, but at the moment, they're just a shade above enhancement talent based on what we've seen backstage or heard backstage over the last month. Kidman and Ray in particular are no longer really happy with that, but they are where they are. They'll never be main eventers. Will might need to look elsewhere if they want to get anything close to that, but you're always going to get professionalism from them. And this was just a show opener, but as I like to say, a pretty big just for what it was. Bam Bam's title belt actually slips off his waist on his way to the ring for the next match. Just blame the props department. As we are straight in with another tag team match. It's the triad represented by Bam Bam and Canyon defending their belts against the reformed Harlem Heat. The Heat are met with moderate enthusiasm, although that is, of course, at least an improvement on what they had to face here three years ago. Mm. quite. It comes back still comes back to Sturgis every fucking year despite that. God's sake, Bischoff. The heat taken shot early and see off bam bam. Tanay thinks they might be suffering from team rust, because that's a thing. Here's Heenum. Emotional wounds do not heal. Ask my seventh wife. <laughs> Steven with a press slam to Canyon and but a just about body slam to the Bama. More stalling before Booker comes in. A spade of punches and stomps in the corner, and the crowd like that one. Hammerlock gets broken up with an elbow, and now Canyon himself takes it to the mat. It doesn't last long, though, and there's a Booker dropkick. Bigelow stops the three. He then tags in TV Stevie in their own time. They charge one another, but to no avail, but Bama goes low. Canyon in with an axe handle, then both heels steamroller him in the corner. Triple B with a standing headbutt for a two. Then Canyon with a rope-assisted cover for the same result. They tease a spike pile driver, but Stevie catapults Canyon into Bigelow, and now Booker is back. Harlem's sidekick scores a two, but he pulls down the rope when he goes for the ass kick. There's Bam Bam. Famous are off the top by Canyon, but that is only worth a two. He has another go, but gets caught into a powerbomb. Both men make it to the corner. Paige shows up, but Bam Bam gets sent into him on the apron. Quick missile dropkick and a Stevie cover, and the Heat are the champs for the first time since October '96, with Tony proclaiming them the team of the '90s. Dan, your thoughts on this match and of the reformed Harlem Heat in general? Uh,
1: I thought the match was about four minutes too long. It just sort of started dragging a little bit. The The closing stretch of the match was too short after, after what preceded it. Um, and yeah, I never really got into this in the same way that I got into the opener. Uh, and this might be a controversial statement, certain to our resident legal expert, but I much prefer Stevie Ray right now to Bam Bam Bigelow in the ring. I mean, he is shot. Like, I've never seen like he was on fire last year at Heat Wave 1998 with Taz. He looked a joke in this match. Like there's there's so there were so many instances of as you mentioned him dropping the belt on the end of, on the way to the entrance ramp. There were a couple of miscommunications. So he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. His office was boring. And yeah, Stevie Ray, in the moments that he was in this match, did a Billy Gunn. In that we've seen him as a singles act, and he was rubbish. But if you put him in a tag match and give him some power spots and some hot tag moments, he looked impressive.
2: Mm.
1: So it's just you know, for someone who is as vaunted and as 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 well regarded as Bam Bam Bigelow, he looked nowhere close to what Stevie Ray did in this match. And that's not you know a lot of fake praise because Stevie Ray did obviously have his obvious limitations. But Bam Bam was so bad in this match that Steve Ray just looked like a main event star in comparison to him. Um, And yeah, it is a shame for Booker again. I think we've said this so many times that he just always seems to be on the cusp of something and then gets pushed back. And I remember at the start of the year where you were always saying that he's on the cusp of, you know, moving out of the TV title division and onto something better, but now he's backing with Harlem Heat. And that's fine. You know, it's gold. It's, It's something that he knows. It's something that we know draws. But... just you just know that this guy's got something about him that is connects he connects with the crowd he's got good offense he was over with this Sturgis crowd he's probably above the level of Harlem Heat now and he should be doing better things but if the booking team don't have anything for him I'd rather him be with Harlem Heat than be off TV so that's something I guess um but yeah um I thought this match was fine a little bit too long but like nothing it wasn't bad let's put it that way um, again, this is faint praise indeed, but for Road Wild, I think that's kind of an accompaniment.
0: Bam Bam was poor in this match, wasn't he? He came in with such gusto into WCW under last year, where he had him bursting in through the back door, picking fights with Goldberg. Now it's um, the reality is setting. I'm afraid he was very weak in this match. He was nowhere really, missing spots. Blowing cues, really, really poor. And Stevie just does what Stevie does in a tag team. And he was fine. Square pegs, square holes and all that. Billy Gunn's a perfect comparison. Billy Gunn as a hot tag man in a tag is fine. Singles feud with The Rock, uh, not so much. Stevie Raven, leader of the NWO, uh uh-uh. Doing a few power moves with Booker doing all the heavy lifting in a tag team. Yeah, I'm okay with that. The Heat coming back, again, I don't want to be hypocritical here. It's something we've seen and done many, many times. But I think I've always got a kick out of Harlem Heat. But I think this probably needs to be some sort of last hurrah for them now. Before, and if I've read the new music correctly, Booker goes on to some sort of singles, proper singles push. Had a couple of aborted ones over the last couple of years. I think the third time might be the charm for him. I hope it is. But I still want to keep Stevie around because uh, he does amuse me in spite of himself. But yeah, good match. Nice to see the Heat take the belts. Sadly, they lose them back. Lose them to the Rednecks a couple of weeks after this, which was disappointing. But um, most, perhaps the most important thing of all for this one was that Harlem Heat's win in front of this crowd did get a pop. And I breathed a huge sigh of relief. On that one, as I suspect one or two people backstage did as well. So talking about show sequencing early, this is our third tag team match in a row. We could have broken that one up. And our second three on three. It's the Revolution, represented this time by Shane Douglas, Perry Saturn and Dima Lenko against the West Texas Rednecks of Kurt Hennig, Barry Wyndham and Bobby Duncan Jr. We start with all six men in, but the Revolution make make light work of that one. It settles down with Milenko and Wyndham, and Dean shows some very impressive arm work in particular. Lots of quick tags by the Rebs, as I've just christened them in this one early on. And it's Douglas who gets caught in the wrong corner. Duncan with a big boot, but then there's a power slam by Shane. Saturn in with some big chops, but he gets kicked down also. Barry back in, but he gets T-boned and belly-to-bellied. Wyndham with a clothesline, and here comes Kurt. Further knife edges, and of course the next snap. As a Covenant transport van sidles by, Saturn folds Duncan inside out with a German suplex. Nobody say I don't pay attention. <laughs> Snap suplex by Dean, but a drop toe hold allowing Shane to get back on offense. He goes for the Pittsburgh plunge, but Hennig cuts that one off. Hmm, Familiarity breeding contempt, perhaps? Side suplex by Barry and our oh, mate, just give us the DDT, will you? It's punches in the corner instead and the close clothesline already today. Devastating shoulder breaker by Duncan and there's little flow to this one. Vertical suplex with float over, but only a two there. Ah, there's the Barry DDT. I was beginning to worry. A two count off that, then he and Shane clash heads. Amazingly, Wyndham doesn't come off the worst there. Do you get it? Because Shane's got a big head and it was... No one. Saturn in, but we quickly switch to pier six, Phil. It's all a bit of a mess until for the third match in a row, we see what seems to be a hurried finish. Saturn DVDing at the second time of asking. Duncombe for the win. Yeah, this is all getting a bit familiar, isn't it, Daniel?
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, tag match, hurry to finish. Mm. And in my opinion, getting progressively worse. Mm-hmm, be- mine too. Uh. Yeah, I don't know what it was about this match, but it didn't flow at all. It was just felt like a collection of, right, we'll come in, do some stuff. We'll You come in and do some more stuff. And then to round things off, we'll do some more stuff. No flow or psychology to this match at all with workers in Malenko, saturn Hedig, windham who are very competent and very good by most accounts so yeah just this was not there at all did not have any like it was i can't call it bad because you know there's there's matches there on the card which i will classify as bad and this definitely wasn't anywhere close to what these were but at the same time i did not enjoy this in any way compared to the urban two matches
0: What do you make of Shane Douglas? This version, this version of, this extra, let's say, extra large version of Shane (laughs) Douglas. Lots to go around. Yeah, I
1: think Ric Flair's um, comments, although harsh, probably have some semblance of truth in them. Like, Shane Douglas at the minute has, has one advantage, which is his mouth. Like, if you compare him to Saturn, Malenko, and Chris Benoit, he is, nowhere even close to them in the ring so why don't he be the mouthpiece for them like De Malenko can't talk Chris Benoit can't talk Quoth the Raven Nevermore comes to mind with Chris Benoit and I'll never ever forget that promo so have Shane Douglas be the mouthpiece for him you know that makes sense let him do the heavy lifting in the ring and yet he's in here getting worked over and being the babyface in peril this is Shane Douglas you know one of the one of the you know very solid heels of the 90s it just doesn't make sense to me
0: i was talking about vampiro thinking he's better than he is but he's 1994 era mikey whipwreck compared to shane (laughs) douglas the man has no humility whatsoever he really needs to take a look at himself and let's face it everybody that won't be too difficult will it (laughs) oh i'm full of it today not as full of it as he is no no I've, i've had enough shane douglas fat jokes now he just hasn't got it he just does not have it all I will say, at least the belly-to-belly stupid suplex is not his finisher anymore. I quite like the Pittsburgh plunge. It's a fairly decent move. But he's got nothing else, and he's still cutting the same goddamn promo he's been cutting for the same five years. I know a certain somebody missing an action on these shows will, um, who knows, will dredge himself up. Was it, was it they came up with a... Uh... A year or so ago, was it the boy list in which he put Mr. Shane Douglas on? I'm talking about Dell. Dell, salute if you're out there. Uh, yep. Shane Douglas on the boy list. Yeah, I don't think I don't remember being consulted about this. He most certainly would not be on any boy list of mine. Yeah, match was disappointing considering who's in there, really. I think part of the problem is Malenko, and to a degree, Hennig, although I think he's he's well over the hill anyway. And but so The big names in this one didn't really show up to try to hold it together. This could have been a good watch if Malenko, Wyndham and Hennig really fancied it but they didn't and it was just 10 minutes of moves and I expect a lot better from most of the guys in there. I think and Sutton as well, I'll include him so that's 4 out of 6 who really should have made this decent and I don't even think it got there. Collection of moves for me. It's a, that's enough for a lot of fans these days, I've noticed. Maybe because there are so few moves and so many matches these days because they barely last two or three minutes, especially on TV, on the other channel. But just doing stuff for 10, 11 minutes, it's not enough. It's got to mean something. It's got to be interconnected. It's got to have a start and middle and an the end. This really had none of those. And of the three matches we've had so far, this was one I was probably on the balance of things, considering who was in there. The one I had the highest hopes for and as such was probably the biggest letdown. Here's one I prepared to let me down, Buff Bagwell versus The Cat. But as I mentioned in the news earlier, this one has got a bit of a story behind it. So Buff Bagwell, not for the first or last time this month, was unhappy with the finish to this match. which seems fairly ironic when you find out what happened in a couple of minutes time. So he tried to seek out Eric Bischoff to give him a piece of his mind. But of course, as we all know, dear listener, Eric Bischoff is not in charge of creative. I'm sure he wouldn't recall what the finish was anyway. Anyway, he was unlucky, unsuccessful in finding Eric Bischoff. So he decided to seek out the cat and beat him up backstage. Or at least attempt to, because we all know (laughs) the cat's background. (laughs) Buff, you tried, but my God, you failed. Took a couple of shots to the face and there were a couple of very visible welts around his left cheek. Eric Bischoff then turned up, to, was just, just before the show started, by some accounts, uh, to try and simmer everybody down. So, let's get to the finish that Buff Bagwell was so angry about. The cat does his usual stick, promising to whoop every stupid redneck here. In a possibly unconnected development to that, his gloves are adorned with the stars and bars. Oof. Buff tries to speak, but Cat keeps snatching the mic off him. Bagwell eventually gets the audience to rev the engines, though, and the bell eventually rings. Hip toss by cat who then celebrates. Body slam and the same. I get the picture. A pussy cat, chant goes up and then buffers in with standard opening offense, and Miller takes for low road to escape. More waiting around for what seems like an age, but then a pair of drop kicks by Bagwell and the ever popular 10, 9, punches in the corner, but the cat slugs out low. <laughs> See, I told you I was paying attention. I wasn't just looking for buffers.
1: I noticed the that earlier. I
0: did notice that in the match, yeah. <laughs> and then a standing sidekick. Sonny owner with some chokes on the outside then he kicked to the solar plexus. Rear chin lock goes on, but the buff chance lift our hero and he gets a two off a crossbody. He goes down again to another jawbreaker but, once again, we zoom to the finish. He whips the cat into a briefcase holding Sonny on the apron and rolls up Miller for the win. Yeah, that finish rings a bell. Dan, only buff Bagwell could be pissed off about a match he wins by a (laughs) pinfall. (laughs) <laughs> Only Buff Bagwell could be angry with that <laughs> What do we think of all of that The backstage stuff and What we're going to call For the sake of charitability this match
1: Hello everyone And welcome to the Buff Bagwell debate, episode 2 of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast
0: no, One was enough <laughs> Talking of wearing the scars I'm, I'm proudly still wearing those in that debate Two months ago, thank you
1: Oh come on, I had 10 minutes of material all night. <laughs>
0: i just think this guy's a bit of an
1: ass really like from all accounts he he seems to again have the opinion that he's better than he is or has a high opinion of where he should be on the cards to where he is so he needs to be booked strong and i know he wins but i i, I kind of understand his point in that he just won with a roll up this isn't you know him beating sid vicious with a roll up you know this this is the cat you know this guy they he, he's him the cat and disco inferno have had three matches on pay-per-view between all three of them in the last three months and to me buff bagwell should if, if you are thinking of pushing this guy as a kind of mid-card babyface winning with a roll-up is looks a bit naff especially if this as this guy does have a quite a decent finisher in the blockbuster you know it's, so i kind of understand where he's coming from which is annoying because again i think he is a bit of an ass backstage but yeah, I mean, the match is just there. I mean, it's just, it's the cat who is a very good shoot fighter. He's not a very good wrestler and a very unmotivated Buff Bagwell who is just there to do clotheslines and scoop slams. It's it's not a good match. But this is the thing, when you know a bit about uh, the backstage politicking, it, this match was very interesting in hindsight. Um, so it, from a weird meta way, I kind of enjoyed seeing to, uh, one man's kind of inner struggles play out on camera, but from an actual wrestling match perspective, I thought it was pretty naff.
0: Just a match, wasn't it? Nitro match, and I've seen far too many of them in my lifetime. I will I will say this about Buff. I do think he deserves better than a two-month-long and no sign of abating feud with Ernest the Cat Miller about who looks the best in a pair of red slippers. I'll give him that. I would be too, especially if I pinned Ric Flair clean as a whistle with my finisher, not all that long ago. But at the same time, he's still getting wins here, okay? (laughs) Don't get ideas above your station, especially now with the febrile atmosphere backstage. And one word out of turn, he's going to be gone. And I don't see Buff Bagwell being picked up by the Federation any time. Again, talk about Raven not being a great fit. I don't see what Bagwell would do in the Federation. He he just doesn't look right there, you know, and so he just needs to take a step back and be at least for now thankful for what he does have. I do think he deserves better. I think he serves a purpose. I think he's probably a slightly better worker than he's given credit for as well. But you're fighting a losing battle against that bunch backstage. And apparently there was another finish he didn't like later on in the month. And he spent most of the taping just sat out in his car. <laughs> <laughs> sat in his car. You know, just moping, probably with his arms folded, probably with his feet up on the seat wearing that scowling expression. Come on now, Buff. Let's think about it, my man. You're being very handsomely paid for this. You're getting wins. You're not being buried. You're not being abused, anything like that. Just ride it out for the next couple of months and see where you are at the end of the year. There could be a place for you. Uh, you know, Just remember, you still are at the end of the day, Buff Bagwell. Before their match starts, DDP needs to apologize for his comments about Benoit's mother. I know you love your mother, but so can anybody for $2.99 a minute. Okay, I'm going to say. That one was quite good. The other ones on Nitro have not been. So let's do this then for the US title. No disqualification. Chris Benoit defending against Diamond Dallas Page. Page gets in Benoit's face straight away, and I would wager that is somewhat misguided. Pure aggression by the crippler is what he is met with. DDP goes for an early powerbomb, but CB is able to fight right out of it. Some brief action outside, and then back in. Page with a belly-to-belly for a two-count. See, not a finisher. And into the camel clutch before sitting down on Benoit's back. From the fireman's carry, he just lets Benoit drop to the canvas. That was an interesting one. And there's a two there as well. Stomach breaker out of a gut wrench setup from Page, and he still does have a lot going for him these days. Knees to the stomach, but Benoit catches a side roll. Side roll up. Uh, Page counters, though, for a very close two. Benoit comes to his feet, but gets put down with a spine buster. No three count yet. And now Dallas is getting frustrated and goes for multiple pin attempts. Benoit catches him off one of those for another sharp two. Paige slows things down a bit with a combination of jawing and strikes. and then a sidewalk slam is also worthy of a two. He tries again, but gets caught into a jawbreaker as a backslide doesn't work for Benoit. But he quickly gets trapped in the tree of woe. He then slaps Charles Robinson and steals his belt. He whips Benoit hard and it's all legal. As is trying to choke the US champ with it. He rolls him over, but only a very nonchalant cover, once more, only two. Belt is still attached, though, and he flings the crippler all over the ring and uses it in a backbreaker position. But all he succeeds in doing is making Benoit mad, and he has had enough. He launches the belt into Page's chest and then smacks him down to the mat with a trifecta of German suplexes. He goes for the diving headbutt, but here is Canyon. He shoves the champ off, but Page cannot score a three. Benoit whips Paige into canyon. Oh, come on. Not a third time. <sharp inhale> now at least Paige can kick out, but everybody, please, a bit of imagination. Bam Bam is down with a diving headbutt, but Benoit is able to kick out. Miscommunication from the heels puts them all down, and then Benoit does get the diving headbutt, again, a little bit out of nowhere, but to retain the US title, and the revolution joined the celebration. Damn, no DQ or not. This wasn't quite the match I was expecting with these two. But I think, in the end, I liked that.
1: Yeah, I really liked it. Um, yeah, no disqualification was kind of just, like, not a, a, not a complete non-factor. This just felt like a normal match. And how much weight you put into your enjoyment of this match may vary. But for me, it, it didn't matter. I, I still really enjoyed it because, A, it involves probably the hardest worker on the roster in DDP and probably the best wrestler on the roster in Chris Benoit. So I don't think you can get a bad match out of those two in that regard because they, they just care too much. And I would never, ever get tired of Chris Benoit's offense. Like The rolling Germans have become a, a big thing, but every single one of them looks like a good end of match. It's They're so good. And DDP's offense in this match was really good. Um, the matches he has back like, in 1996 with some of the cruiserweights, and he brings up such really good offense, like... Power bombs, gut wrenches, backbreakers, and he brought some of this out in this match as well, and I thought it was really good. I don't think it was as good as it was maybe a year ago in that kind of United States title division when they were face and face, but to me, this is still like a very good seven or eight out of ten match in comparison to the maybe eight or nine match they had last year, which is still for this card easily the match of the night. And I think again, one, the crowd really loves Benoit for. Which is something because again he's not someone he's not one of the old guard he's not one of the, the the inner circles big favorites and the crowd loved him and B they made him look like a really good underdog babyface here and they made him look strong being able to get a clean win against three men basically in a whole faction without any of the revolution's help and you could see that they we're backstage watching on and that kind of worked because they weren't just a dumb babyface faction here where. They're just not paying it any attention. They trust their leader, and he delivered. But they were there to back him up in case it got out of hand. I think that worked really well. And I think Benoit at the minute, whisper it quietly, but he might actually be getting really, really over here. And I kind of i am wishing the best for him in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this match. I must admit, Re- repeated um, holding the baby face and then you know, getting dumped on the outside spotter side.
0: Yeah, that was a weird one. What do you think in general of Page's heel run so far? Mm, I don't think it's as bad as I expected it to be. He's actually quite good
1: in the obnoxious heel regard. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you're so used to him being a babyface that kind of when, as a heel, it's a little bit hard to hate on him because by all accounts he's such a hard worker backstage. So for my end, it's always a little bit difficult for me to really get behind booing him, and, and especially with other people high up the card, it is who are so much easier to boo and hate. It is difficult for me to really kind of get behind DDP as a heel, but I think as always, he has tried his best with what he's been given.
0: One thing I will say about DDP, uh, backstage, got to backstage a lot. That's where it all happens, everybody. Uh, backstage this month, he is self-pointed role, really, as some sort of motivational speaker. He's been jeeing a lot of people up. <laughs> Not, no mean feat, given what's going on there, but the likes of Kidman, Mysterio, and even, I'd love to see this one, Eric Bischoff himself, he's been giving pep talks to. Oh, those flies on the wall were lucky bastards, weren't they? This match was really, really good. DDP, I'll never tire of saying this. He bring, still brings maximum effort. The guy is over 40. Never a model pro wrestler ever but my goodness me he squeezes every golden drop out of what he's got and this was a really smartly built match after so many that just felt thrown together these two had a story and they told it to the point and this is to their credit i'd actually forgotten until the belt came out that it was actually no dq because they really wrestled a hard fairly basic but on point match it was a moment when Page got frustrated going for multiple pinfalls and not putting him down. That's when he really goes to the dark side. And he did stuff with the weapon as well. Now, we're not talking Jerry Lawler imaginary brass knuckles here. Now, he takes off the referee's belt. He whips Benoit around like the proverbial scalded dog. Weaves him up into a submission backbreaker position. Now, that's, that's good heel stuff. That's what I want to see from Page. No, deep down, he wants to be a baby face, but he ain't turning anytime soon by the looks of it. So really go with it. And Benoit can work any style. He can work this. We we know. If you're listening to this show, you know that. He was our wrestler of the year last year. Sometimes I feel I should regret that. But every time I see Chris Benoit in a match, I'll realize we made the right decision. Didn't we, Mr. Lacey? Really, really just solid stuff here. Just two quality pros giving us a quality match. Nothing spectacular, nothing out of the ordinary, really. Probably, standard if if you're on the star rating system, probably three and a half stars maximum. But I will take that from these two all day long. Much like with Booker, I'll be on a different scale. I think it needs to be Benoit's time, if not now, then very very soon. He's somebody else who has been arriving, as they say, for a very, very long period indeed. It's time to cut the cord and really let him go. Having the revolution as his support, I think, is okay. I don't want him to get lost in amongst those particular guys, especially the fellow we talked about earlier. we we'll are trying to make it all about him. Benoit needs to be the leader of that group, even though he can't talk. He doesn't need to. We all know what he does and how he does his talking. And let's give Benoit a proper push. I well, I think, what do I mean, I think, idiots? We know he fully deserves it. Somebody is going to win a motorcycle. An American Iron Horse motorcycle, of course. So well done, Darnell Potter. If you're watching, buddy, you've got to find one. And that's it. A competition where somebody actually wins. Now, I was <laughs> praying for the days of the million dollar competition we had on SummerSlam two years ago, where they phone up and the number's disconnected, or somebody's not listening, and then a small kid breaks down, comforted by Sonny, and we all know that it's door number three that's hiding a million dollars. Instead, somebody here Wants to win a motorbike, and they have. Why WCW is so boring? <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of which, here's Sid versus Sting. I'm only joking. Third time these two have gone on at pay-per-view, I believe, and the first since Halloween Havoc 93. I should add there is no European tour planned after this event, however. Slip, slip, slip. The two stand off just as the sun disappears, which is a good visual, really. Sting quickly goes for two Stinger Splashes and gets them, then close line Sid to the outside. Hmm. Over the rail, Sting lays in a couple of shots, and then the fans on the other side get to see it. In the ring, Stinger Splash 3 is not a success, and now the big fella can take over. Power slam for a count of two, and we're into the stomps, and all the methodical offense we have come to know, and dot, 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 love. <laughs> Chin lock on the mat, and Sid is talking very obviously in there. He finally shuts up in order to soak in some booze, then returns to the headlock. Sting fights out and then just runs Sid over, setting up the Sting headbutt. He catches Sid off the ropes, but then gets tripped up the way I did all too often in the playground. That's the part of listening where you go, ah, uh, ah. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Standing yeah. splash by recovering Sting only gets knees. Sid won't get a win there, though. Snake eyes and a mighty boot puts the crow down again. Sid goes up. You wonder why I paused there. Sid goes up, but gets superplexed from the second rope. Sid stands up out of that instantly, just so he can stroll into the corner to get Stinger splashed. Oh, man. Uh, Stinger then goes for another one, but this time he gets blocked off with a choke slam. One, two, he got him. Dan, not a great match by any metric. And I should detest Sid. Oh man, I just can't.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm in. I'm in agreement. Um, I don't know what Kool Aid I've been drinking recently, but I kind of enjoyed this a little, a little tiny little bit. He's the
0: and best I, kind of terrible. I, I know. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is,
1: but I, honestly, I think a clean finish has made me enjoy this match about on so much more than I would would have normally done. Had this been, I don't know, nineteen ninety four or no, not even 1994, 1996 when clean finishes were quite common, but the fact that we are living in a time period right now where clean finishes are so scarce that a heel just beating a face with a move, one two three clean as a whistle in the middle of the ring, made me really like this. <laughs> and then I really, and then I realized, That's oh yeah. And then I realized everything that came before the match and the finish, and I was like, oh yeah. This is just a normal Sid match, isn't it? Where Sting isn't Shawn Michaels' Madison Square Garden in 1996 either, so he so he can't get a Humdinger Classic out of it. But look, I thought this was okay. It, it, t- all, you know, take out clean finishes, context, everything like that. I thought it wasn't that bad. I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was, you know... The the dross I was expecting from Sid, you know, say Diesel Sid 1995, it wasn't no. anywhere close to that. But you know, there were a bit annoying spots, like you said, the whole Sid standing up after a suplex and walking straight to the corner was infuriating. But at the same time, he's just got that charisma that makes you forgive every every little single thing wrong with what he does in the ring. I don't know what it is. It's just he, he has that spell over over people just like he's such a lovable loser that you just kind of like oh he's trying so hard and he's got a look let him have it oh i'll forgive you sid don't worry about it (laughs) but yeah it it was it was uh, uh, yeah
0: just move on stop making me talk about gush over sid (laughs) (laughs) he's got us hasn't he he's got us just like he got everybody at great american bash 1989 teams up with the skyscrapers for the first time in front of a national audience before he even gets in the ring. The crowd are chanting, we want Sid. The guy was meant to be a heel at the time. It is indescribable. Utterly fucking inexplicable, really, but I just can't hate the guy. (sighs) I hate to use a cliche like, he's so bad, he's good, but He's so bad, he's good. But <laughs> let, let's let's let, let's try and calm down best we can. Let's talk about the bad. We do need to because there was a lot of it in this match. Sting did his best, and I think again, I still think he's bringing the goods as much as he can and has done since he came back. His promos are still horrendous. Now he does sound like auditioning for the role of Frankenfurter in your local amateur dramatics presentation of um. Uh... <laughs> the Rocky Horror Show, but uh, I'll move on from that. In the ring, he's doing the best he can for somebody who was never a work-rate Marvel and is over 40 now, I believe. He did all he could here. So he's not sure Michael was 96, but he gave it a pretty good stab. Sid just <laughs> unintentionally just cut him off at the pass every single time. Just those awful corn-cutting punches, those terrible kicks, loudly calling spots where people... <laughs> People in the next van, good here. I didn't see any vans going past by this match, and I did check. <laughs> not a great not a great match because of who was in there, but the finish did surprise well okay. One thing didn't surprise me, Sid's awful setup for the finish, where he essentially no sold a superplex just so he could waddle into the corner. So thing. transitions, my boy, transitions. But then pinning sting, sting, clean as a sheet. Oh, are we going to be getting Sid Hogan for the title sometime soon? We've had it twice on Nitro and believe me, that's more than enough and I'm already getting WrestleMania 8 flashbacks but I'm reckoning that's where we're heading. Maybe that will be the final, finally the thing that makes me realise that Sid is so bad, he's bad but for now, ah, bless him <laughs> Three matches left. Uh, Rick Steiner versus Goldberg, not for Rick Steiner's TV title. Fist fight straight off the bell but we all know who is going down first It is indeed Rick after a big lariat, but he connects with a spinning back elbow. Standing sidekick off the buckles by Goldberg and Rick needs a breather after that. He gets in and shoves the ref into Bill so he can get off a low blow and attempts to remove Goldberg's knee pad. He does and uses it as a weapon and biffs Goldberg in the head with it a couple of times. He keeps the brace on when executing a clothesline or two and then he straps it onto his arm. Power slam gets a two and then he just strikes right between the eyes with the weapon again. TDT, but Bill will not stay down. And that's more than enough for Goldberg. Press into the power slam. Spear, with some serious hang time. Engines, jackhammer, count it. down
1: Again, you know what? I don't know, again, what, I don't know what I was doing in this little section of the pay-per-view, but I enjoyed this more than I should have done. One, Scott, um, sorry, Rick Steiner's use of the knee pad actually kind of made sense because no if you took on Goldberg head-on in kayfabe you are not going to win what can keep Goldberg down for a heat segment using a knee brace as a weapon which with Mike tenuous logic is legal because Goldberg brought it into the ring as a as a normal bit of equipment so from that perspective it kind of didn't get on my didn't grind my gears in the way that you know some of matches like you know with Goldberg where he's trying to sell do because it's just like punches and kicks wearing Goldberg down where a year ago he was just no selling them and walking through these guys if it was nothing so that kind of made sense and then let's be honest Goldberg has not had one of these nice squash matches in a while you know from you know I've got a little bit nostalgic for something that happened a year ago but yes yeah, so that's how Goldberg just absolutely destroy someone with free with free moves which all look good, do, do the thing that made, him, that made him look like an absolute monster 12 months ago when he was the world champion and do it again, and I'm happy about it. I'm not tired of the Goldberg act yet to, to want more. I'm still okay with a Goldberg squash. And this is what we got once he kind of, quote, woke up and got a little bit of a surge on after that, you know, after being worked over with the brace. So yeah, I'm okay with it. I you know it's Rick Steiner in the third match on the top of the card, and you know the the second match on top of the card, which didn't involve novelty acts, which is a little bit weird. And I know this probably was meant to be Scott, but if he's if he's out for the time being, then we kind of have to make do with Rick. And you know it was a little bit of a you know the look he's got there kind of made me think he's got something, but again, he's not his brother unfortunately, and. Yeah, just do Goldberg's thing. I don't mind that in the minute. Just let me have more of it. I'm not tired of it. Carry on. And I enjoyed it.
0: So did I. Because it was a... I think we call this... I was going to call it an extended squash. I'm not sure that's really right. Because Goldberg didn't really have much of the match here at all. But all Rick Steiner succeeded in doing was pissing him off. And you don't do that. Simple story, but they told it. Rick had a reason, as you rightly said to piss Goldberg off by stealing his knee brace and u- using it as a weapon. It's very basic stuff but let's face it in pro wrestling the best stories they really are aren't they? And this one didn't need anything extra. And I'm, I'm WCW of all people I'm sure they must have been tempted just to ladle on all sorts of extras here but they didn't need to. Rick Steiner takes Goldberg's knee pad, uses it as a weapon to try to even the score. It doesn't work. Goldberg runs through the big stuff in the last 30 seconds and there you go. It's all you need Only thing I didn't really like was Goldberg's dismissive nature in the build-up for this match where he didn't even mention. Well, I think he said about the TV title, you haven't got anything I want, which is, well, I don't like seeing undercard titles being treated like that. Plus a minor complaint. Goldberg is still in the mix. He is, of course, one of Hogan's friends these days. So that's something you can really take to the bank. And as I suggested earlier, I bet he's thrilled. Yeah, very short. Didn't need to be any longer. Didn't mind that it wasn't longer. I'm not one of these people who thinks every match on pay-per-view needs to be 10 minutes minimum. This told its story in five and a half minutes and then got the hell out of there before you could start to pick the holes. No problems here at all again. Ah, now I've seen the next match. Okay. Speaking (laughs) of
1: matches which don't need to be more than 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) Speaking of matches that don't need to be booked. Randy Savage. Yes, you know Randy Savage, the guy who I said pretty much went on strike after this because he is unhappy with the way the company are using him. Is having to take on the returning Dennis Rodman. Yes, as sure as day follows night, he comes back for his mid-season payday in WCW, which they are only too happy to give him. I've got a classic Dennis Rodman quote I'll give you during the review of this match. But let's get through the play. Uh, let's get through the play-by-play first, shall we? I will let Heenan describe Rodman's attire. Some motel is missing a shower curtain. Good stuff from Hayden today. Superface Rodman wants to know where his bitch is at. No, Gorgeous George. Okay. Babyface know where his bitch is at. You get it? Oh, dear, oh, dear. But today Savage tells Dennis he is his bitch, and that gets us started. He sends Macho straight to the post and then the guardrail and the light scaffolding. <laughs> Fucking hell. Back over by Rodman, which Mike Tene calls a move like a veteran. <laughs> Mike Tanay, work great man. Yeah, okay. And better a close line. Alba by Rodman followed by a Russian leg sweep. Lazy cover though, only two. He does not take Carney to the bat and punches out the ref Billy Silverman. Mickey J takes over as Savage finally gets in an offensive move, an eye rake, plus a few chokes or eight. He then decks Ross Foreman. No not Ross Foreman apparently he's the new editor of WCW magazine or something. By the apron, and then Mickey gets nailed too. Backdrop by Rodman, but Savage is still dominating. Rodman gets dragged all the way to the ramp and then into the backstage area. Dennis gets off a Beal, but gets shoved into some garbage. Randy frees up a porter potty and tips it over with Mr. Rodman inside. We are treated to the site of effluent, just in case we didn't already get it. And then they walk back to the ring. Rodman climbs the top rope but takes out the next ref with a clothesline. George, his bitch, is here as the worm puts a sleeper on. Would that he had done that to me. Randy George acts out and George gives Macho a chain. You know, one lady owner and all that sort of thing. After low-blowing Rodman herself, she departs and the chain shot gets Savage a victory. Dan, darkness descended during this match. Oh, boy, did it ever. Well, is Dennis Rodman the face in this match? I think he's supposed to be.
1: The most unlikable face I've ever seen in a wrestling ring.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I, I can handle someone who uh, who is objectively bad as a wrestler, but at least they're trying. Dennis Rodman is the epitome of someone who doesn't give a damn about this business and is there for the paycheck.
0: Let me just and quickly I, give you the quote before, before we carry on. I want to give this, this quote now. Uh, interview for TV Guide this month. Verbatim. It's money. That's all I'll say. I just don't know why I have to do that damn wrestling shit. I just want to show up.
1: Continue. And that basically is what he did in this match. The mm-hmm. absolute bare minimum to get through all the bells and whistles Randy Savage did to try and make this match not even good, just watchable couldn't get through it because Rodman is a just not trained enough to be a singles wrestler don't forget that every single match he's had in his mid-season break has been a tag match with his best buddy the ball bastard and he can't be a singles wrestler there was a, there was a spot in this match where he I think I got a drop toe hold and his head landed straight into the rope he's just dangerous you know this guy if he's not willing to try he could get hurt and I don't think that's obviously lost on him a little bit but yeah, this 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 match was 10 minutes of, of nothing, but Randy Savage desperately t- hot-dogging his way to try and get something entertaining, and it failed miserably. This wasn't a no-disqualification match, and yet we had about four minutes of them walking up and down the airway. The porta potty spot is laughable. It looked like the flimsiest thing in the world. It looked like a, it, it, like a gust of wind would blow it over. That's how flimsy it looked. And yeah, it's just the finish was just nonsense. It's, the finish is weird. I don't really care about gorgeous george to be honest with you like the randy you know the balloon randy savage again i don't really i just think back to match of madness back in the you know back in the day and i've seen tapes and where has this man gone like he's still trying but it's just not it's just not the same randy savage and again this is like at least he's trying you know he he's just not hasn't got it in the same but i can forgive him because he's trying something I can't forgive Dennis Rodman because he's just, he's just laziness. I can't forgive laziness in the wrestling ring. That's, you know, be bad, but try to be bad. Don't be lazy. That's what we can take from
0: this night. Just don't do a Dennis Rodman, basically. Be less Rodman is a good way to look at it. Let's just say the contents, not that I really want to draw too much attention to them, but the contents of the Porter Potty will probably sum up what we got in this particular match. And in as much as I've had very little positive to say about him since he came back at the end of the last year, really, and some of his behavior backstage, more than questionable, I genuinely felt sorry for Savage in this one. Uh, he drew the short straw. They robbed him was back for his normal five-week easy payday. And it was Savage this time who had to try to do something with the fucking Oath. And he wasn't. I, I did feel sorry for him. Savage wasn't trying in this match to make it watchable. He wasn't trying to work around Rodman. This wasn't Savage. You know, SummerSlam 89 main event with Zeus. Anything like that. He was just there to get out and get the fuck out of there and get home. I don't blame him necessarily or at all for that reason. But that didn't help us any. Rodman just dropping an elbow and having Mike Tanabe. People call it a move like a veteran. Now I thought it was bad enough when he broke out a he broke out a leapfrog two years ago, and dear old Tony on commentary said that he's showing flashes of brilliance in there. Yeah, it's all, sadly, it's all coming back to me now. Um, they just just please stop just throwing your money away on this. Uh, is Dennis Rodman now one of those people? I say probably one of our friends who are across the water on this one, but Dennis Rodman now, you know, rebound record and all that. Is he just now one of those people who's famous for being famous? Is, is that mm. what he is these days? Does he still actually
1: play at 20? What's no, I don't record? think. I think he retired in 93, but again, this is where we need bob and eric to clarify because i don't have any idea about american sports at the minute
0: indeed i do apologize to our listeners i dropped the reference to Leighton orion football club an hour or so ago so, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> divided by a common language and all that but yeah this was this was a dreadful dreadful match as it was always going to be a total non-worker and somebody who just was not bothered who after this set of the news effectively gone on strike don't know when we're going to see him in any meaningful fashion again. And you can set your watch by Rodman showing up by his own admission just to get paid in 12 more months. He's just been released by the LA Lakers. Oh, okay. I'm, he's on he's in NBA Jam, isn't he? I don't
1: know. I've never seen NBA Jam.
0: You've so never, You've never played NBA Jam? Oh, that's we're going to have to do that for a special one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it the shoes? Boom shakalaka. Anyway, main event time. Main event time.
1: I'd rather talk about NBA Jam.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. So, for the WCW title, it is Hulk Hogan. That's Hulk Hogan. Versus Kevin Nash. And the loser must retire forever. In the WWF show this month that you may already have heard, Eric Landstrom says, and under normal circumstances, I would completely agree with him, that he is done with the back suplex double pin both people lose deal. However, here, where the loser must retire forever, I would have taken it all too glad. <laughs> I doubt this one will be too hard to recap. Hogan is shoved to the buckle twice, and such horror is enough to see him take off the bandana, and then checks everything else is still in place up there. Won't take long. Standing headlock by Nash that will eat up a minute or two and Hogan responds with a very delicate side suplex. Big Sexy wants a test of strength and why did the crowd always say yes when Hogan asks them about that? Are they new here? Hogan, yes they fucking are. Hogan is down to his knees and looks around to all four sides. He then fights out until the knee sends him down again. Kev with some hard shots to the head and the back. The knee's in the corner and the patented long leg. Uh, that was Tony. Keenan tells us that Nash isn't rushing. Yeah, because we all needed clarification on that one. Stupid fucking framing fucking elbow fucking misses. Ten punches and the ear cup and the eye poke by Kev. The patented long leg again, and I really hate Hogan's. I have just been choked selling. Side slam on a two counts. More shots to the neck, and now he hits the framing elbow. Oh yeah, now I've got my money's worth big boot and a call for the power bomb and I will play in the commentary, because you all know what is going to happen, so I'm going to let them describe it, because I can't be bothered.
2: <laughs> Could it be a power bomb? And they're running the bike It, it is. is! Here we go, guys! History! It it it. oh. it's, his move. it's over! It's, it's over! Here's a cover! One, two... And now that. she's a win! No! No! no. no. Hogan no. kicked no. out! No! seen this before. Listen to the people. Watch him. Watch him. Hogan's forehead cut open. And he's he's poking up. My God. Oh, and Hogan's back up to his feet. Hogan. Right. Oh, the sake out of his heart. Hogan. oh Hogan. Digs down deep one more time.
0: Done.
1: I I I'll throw a question back to you because I got a taste for hosting. And I liked it. Um, when these two announced that they were going to have a match on pay per view, did you expect effort?
0: Listen to you, poacher turned gamekeeper. A question for me. Um, <sighs> define effort. Oh. More than what we got in this match. (laughs) Uh, When I get to my piece on this, uh, no, if you want to put it like that.
1: Okay. Uh, Well, maybe this is my naive little brain here, but I was, I was really hoping we could get something here because let's, let's be honest, Hulk Hogan, again, the spell that we've talked about before, whatever he does with the red and yellow, he sometimes turns it on when he wants to. We've had these matches before with, with people like warrior, even, you know, even someone like earthquake where you can go, okay, he can try. Kevin Nash is the booker of, of this company. So he has probably the biggest vested interest of any wrestler currently working in this company to try and make an angle work for whatever reason, for whatever kind of, you know, evidence of the contrary we've had for the last eight months, Kevin Nash should want this match to work. And it's with Hulk Hogan. He, for whatever reason, they are some kind of frenemies backstage. Sometimes they work together, sometimes they hate each other. But again, this is a match between the two of them for the first time in a big environment, i really thought they would try and they didn't got a shit like it's the same match over and over again and the worst characteristics of both men kevin nash gave the same you know hot dogging two minute long framing elbow spots the long leg the side slam the big boot the jackknife it's the same thing over and over and over and over again Hulk Hogan, it's the same torch, you know, hammy selling, it's the same ridiculous hulking up spots, it's the same you finger poke that we've seen over and over again. It's just do something to change it up so that I can at least talk about something that hasn't been talked about umpteen times over the last 15 years. And they didn't, it wasn't even a good, you know, well-laid-up match. It was just, you know, these two guys, I really did think, in this main event, could have done something that wasn't even classic, but something that I could go, oh, that was quite reasonably surprising. Like, Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan, f- four or five months ago, I would have given anything for that match. And we got the same nonsense from these two men that we have got for the last 15 years in hulk hogan's case and for the last 12 months in nash's case where he has checked out and just wants the cash i really thought we could got something decent here and it's the same rubbish as always why am i surprised
0: we got the red and the yellow hulk hogan this might be the very first time you've listened to this show everybody might be the 215th no matter how many shows we've done I think it's 215 as we release this it's something like that you could have been watching wrestling for 25 years you could have been watching wrestling for 25 seconds before you first did on this pay-per-view whether you are an expert or a novice whether you are David Meltzer or David Seaman whether you are Wade Keller (laughs) or Casey Keller you know, <laughs> or Brad Friedel or Tony Mirova, you know what you are getting from a red and the yellow Hulk Hogan main event. You're going to get 12 and a half minutes. You're going to get the head shake. You're going to get the bandana. You're going to get the test of strength. You're going to get the look to the crowd. You're going to get him getting up, being knee down. You're going to get him getting up the second time going have him have a couple of punches, have a third punch block, he's gonna take whatever the finisher is, and boy do you know the rest. Same as has ever been since 1983. Kevin Nash here might as well have been killer Khan for all it mattered. He was just Hogan's monster of the month, and for all we Bag on the guy. So we bloody should. Yes, it's Kevin Nash, but it's still Kevin Nash. You know, probably bears a little bit of positive responsibility for the hefty turnaround in WCW's fortunes. that played a minor role in coming not all that far from putting the competition out of business two to three years ago. For all his you know, San Andreas amount of faults, He probably deserves a little more than this Coliseum video hokum. So when we were talking about how regressive it is that this version of Hulkamania has returned, this is the kind of thing we mean. And as long as this is the Hogan we are treated to, this is what we're going to get. The crowd in Sturgis don't know any better. It's Hulk Hogan, man. Yeah, fine. okay, here. Rev the engines. Great. Fantastic. Retains the belt. Big whoop. Uh, They are not going to win people. Certainly pay-per-view buys are not going to win people like this. And as we'll talk about shortly, they ain't getting TV eyes on their TV product for it either. So it's not something you can really call bad. You can just connect the dots from A to B to C to D. This is everything you've ever known. And we moved away from this for very good reason don't want to see it again. Don't need to see it again, perhaps even more importantly. No, we've moved on. This isn't the pro wrestling business anymore. WCW, they can't just talk to themselves and exist in their own bubble. If they're going to try to win fans back from the World Wrestling Federation, this is not the way to get it done. WCW is going to end up being (laughs) the thing your uncle still watches. OK, maybe based on some of Bischoff's comments that we reported earlier, uh, your six year old nephew watches along with him. That is not a recipe for cradle to the grave viewing, which I think Okay, you skip the cradle part and jump ahead to 18 to 34, the other major organisation who have just gone public. I think they've got a handle on that one. World Championship Wrestling do not bog standard Hulk Hogan main events to use a Hogan expression which he said to a certain midget as he would put it 18 months ago ain't gonna cut the mustard and as said little fella responded to him Hulk Hogan you suck pal Dan RoadWild99 sum up your thoughts and give us a rating out of 10 please
1: well, as I said at the start, it's nowhere near as bad as '97 or '98, but these were those were truly terrible shows. This, to me, is just a kind of their show. I mean, I've rated so many matches. You know, even the ones that I enjoyed, like Sid and Sting and Goldberg, Steiner, I can't objectively call them good. I just enjoyed them. So, like, there's so many matches here I kind of rated like in the five out of ten category. Mm. So, add. You know Benoit DDP into that mix but then you've got the two the two main events dragging the showdown so much. I'm going to give this a
0: a, a charitable four and a half. Uh, see I almost just want to give this a four so we can continue the run Peter and I talked about last month which you can work our like, way up incrementally to a 10 out of 10 Super Brawl in February next year. <laughs> four is probably as much as the last two matches slap me about the face a bit probably seems a tiny bit low for the solid work we got. And I'm going to go up to a 5 actually because um, no great matches on this show none you could really call very good Benoit DDP was the closest you got there but effort, that word which you mentioned a lot over the last hour and a half I think appropriately so, there was a lot of this there a lot of the talent were hamstrung by the poor booking rather than anything else. Some of the finishes, very little thought gone into them. Very repetitious, very hurried and rushed in some cases. But nobody really went out here and dog this, apart from obviously Dennis Rodman, but I'm not including him in this. I can't really recommend this show, but if you are somebody who, through the hog wild and road wild years, expects a two and a three at best, and who can blame you, then maybe cash your eye on this one. And one thing I've got to give grudging credit where it's due, a better crowd this year as well. Man, that's a pretty low bar. Not being a racist fuck makes you a better crowd, but <laughs> we very much are where we are. So, hmm. 5 out of 10 for Road Wild 1999. Sponsored by American Iron Horse Motorcycles. <laughs> out of the PPV, we start with Lash versus Hoovy. They don't get long before Sid destroys them. In the year 2000, Sid's name will be synonymous with that of professional wrestling my words, and Goldberg will become obsolete, his words, and Hogan has something belonging to him. So we will see a lot of Sid until Hogan hands the belt over, and this includes Regal and Riggs being rudely interrupted. Sid isn't bothered by Cat vs Enos though. The Cat wins in a match officially timed at 3.39 as we are oh so importantly told. Video package airs for a new character named Berlin, more on him later. Sid beats up some more people backstage, Hogan is still not paying attention. Ray v Lenny now. Sid does Sid stuff. Sting has seen enough. Oh, and now Hogan shows up. He came here to train, say prayers, and kick your ass. That's edgy. He then very kindly offers Sting a shot in Las Vegas next week. P E V Deadpool. Shaggy takes the trip through the table this week, but the Pauls still win after Bampura. Vampiro. fearance. I really should have written two words there. Our new tag team champs are out with Gene. Booker thanks DDP for helping them become the eight time, 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 eight time belt holders. Stevie confirms they will take on all comers. The drugs of the remnants of what is left of the NWO are here. They all voice their disapproval with Stevie and then take it out on Brian Adams. Kidman comes along for a Natter. His favourite Nitro girl is Kimberly, and guess who takes exception to that? He spells respect, well, some of it. S is for slap, P is for put down. Yeah, good one, Tony. We then have an impromptu match and Kidman manages to eke out a roll-up win. He gets wiped out afterwards though, including being choked. Kim thinks that might be a bit much. It is superstar and sex symbol Disco Inferno, and yes, they are his words. There are many people backstage looking to climb the ladder, but so too are many others, as Ben Wilde is happy to tell him, and to show him by beating him in a good match. Goldberg v Windham is a match that doesn't really help either man, but you know the results. The Heat defeat the B-Team in a non-title handicap contest after Adams returns to get payback for earlier. It's the face turn we all wanted. Rick Steiner sees off Brian Knobs with the Bulldog. Saturn v Bam Bam is next, Douglas and Canyon get involved and in the confusion, Saturn pinches the three counts for the win. So Hogan v Sid, Hulk revels in his babyface status with back rakes and chair shots. Funny moment as Sid hits the chokeslam slam, but then everybody in the crowd looks instantly to the curtain. Sid delays the cover instead so Hogan is out at 2. We get the usual, but Rick breaks up the pin, Sting is here to assist, and then Hogan pins Rick for a three, because... So we're in Las Vegas, and before Kiss can do their thing, we have some wrestling to contend with, such as Mikey vs Chase Tatum, and Sid is still doing the Sid stuff, and this time his power bombs and pins are added as part of his winning streak. Kidman apologises for last week, Kim seems happy and will talk to Paige, the same Paige who then attacks him. Goldberg sees this and gets involved too. They will have a match tonight. Well, didn't go too badly last time. Bada bing. Our boy Stinger is here. He advises Hogan to stop running his mouth so often as he may live to regret it. Obviously, this brings out Lex Luger. Literally out of the blue, says Tony. He wants to wish his friend the very best tonight. He also advises him to be careful and not to trust the Hulkster. Worth remembering. Bischoff arrives. Tonight asks him if he's going to be the new boss and for once, Eric keeps his mouth shut. The cat be Buff. Luka does something a little more worthwhile than earlier and makes sure Sonny can't get involved. Blockbuster ends this one. We end up not getting Goldberg DDP as the triad strike early, Kane and Bam Bam get the treatment and then Paige gets the Scarborough. After seeing the redneck zooming around woods in go-karts in the video for Good Old Boys, Sid brings Hoovy V Lenny to a close in his own inimitable style. 70-0 now, I think. No one should make the mistake of thinking they can stop him. In 2000, only he will stand here anymore. That makes no sense, but I don't mind. And now a live, good old voice, which I believe is Jarrett's old WCW music. Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Shane Douglas for Hugh Morris, Barbarian, and Brian Knobs. Perry stands around in exactly the position an interfering Rick Steiner would want him to be for a bulldog. That gives Jimmy's crew the win. Benoit snatches the mic and demands a match for Rick ASAP. Douglas tries the out with evolution, in with revolution thing, and I'm not sure that one is going to stand. Ray and Kidman, the ICP. Bit of a mess here and it ends with botched interference by Vampiro and Kidman scoring a pin. Hogan has a main event to shill and I am already detecting a few boos in there. His son Nitro Nick asked Big Terry if what Flexi Lexi said earlier was right. Hulk would never stab anyone in the back, but he will kick Stingman's ass. <sighs> now we get Steiner Benoit. Ref takes a headbutt and Saturn finds himself in exactly the position an interviewing seed would want him to be for a chokeslam. Benoit recovers and says he is tired of what goes on back there and the clicks that monopolise this business. This sort of thing makes it onto TV a lot these days. West Texas Rednecks v Harlem Heat. Oh, intake of breath sound. This is for the tag team titles and the Rednecks win them after Hennig Booker with the ball rope and Kendall covers for a 3. Eddie v Vampiro, this time the ICP get their interference right and Eddie takes a loss. Hogan v Sting for the world title it is. They keep this one simple, not that they think they could have done much else. To my ears, Crowder at least 70-30 in favour of the Stinger, Hogan misses the leg drop but Sting does the same with two splashes, and here and Steiner a Sid for the inevitable, Goldberg and Luger pop in too and all the goodies make nice. That doesn't end the show though, that's for Kiss to do. They settle for God of Thunder and then we have to settle for our Kiss-influenced wrestler who is Brian Adams. I am indeed finding it hard to believe we're in heaven.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, here to perform their brand new single, Good Old Boys, please welcome to WCW Monday Nitro, Kurt Hedding, and the West Texas Rednecks. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Southern born, southern bred, when I die, I'll be southern dead. They like to watch our wrestling every week. Favorite shows and a young Mary nothing like a good country western band, uh, and that was actually nothing like a good country
0: western band. A couple of things to discuss before we wrap for the month we're going to talk about the cursed Las Vegas edition of Nitro you would have heard there the rundown of what happened which polled a 2.9 rating since the war really began if you want to call it that, that is the lowest pure head to head we've had for a very, very long time, certainly since April 1998. Dan, this show, Hogan vs. Sting, non-finish obviously, but Hogan vs. Sting, double main event, if you will, of that and Kiss, Kiss performing God of Thunder in a monumentally, massively trailed and advertised. I think they put some TV advertising out for this as well, certainly newspapers and magazines for KISS appearing. And for all of that, up against the show after SummerSlam, WWF, they pulled their lowest rating for at least a year and a half. Something ain't working here.
1: No, I mean, the obvious, very short answer is that why would I want to watch a wrestling show which is just doing a live performance by a band that I could just go and buy a CD from to listen to? That's the obvious stupid answer. The the second answer is that generally a company's ratings will take about three or four months to catch up to the quality of the product. And I think a lot of bad will has been built up by WWE fans and how the way this company's been booked recently. And it kind of came home to roost when coupled with a music when a musical performance by a, a quite an old hat band notice the notice the similarities here between that and the wrestlers in the main event were performing kind of came home to roost and and three when the competition has got a WWF title match between triple h and mankind in opposition to it of course wrestling fans are going to go and watch the main event of that match rather than the musical performance of a live band you know, I know Hogan Sting was there too, but as I've said before, nostalgia can only carry ratings so far. You need to follow it up, and and when nostalgia is Hulk Hogan, where we've seen it over and over and over and over again, it's very easy to tune out of it. And to me, I just think this is an example of of WCW relying so much on what's worked before. The bubble burst in this show because even if it's heavily promoted it doesn't matter if the people don't want to see it people aren't going to watch it and when the competition has got a better alternative on a week-to-week basis and in the night itself people are
0: just going to tune out and they did but even then a 2.9 it's not even they've been defeated week after week now they haven't won since the Nitro coming out of Halloween Havoc ninety eight. And that was just because nobody informed the pay-per-view companies that there was another match after Warrior versus Hogan. <laughs> I had your own jokes there. But that was a false victory, really. They haven't won since or even really come close to. But to pull their lowest rating, Hogan Sting. And Hogan Sting. You know, that should that should pull some casuals in, so you would think. But again, all ties back into what we said. It's been done and Hogan Sting two years. I'm not gonna drag that one back up again. But go back to our Starcade '97 show to hear everything you could ever want to hear on that fiasco. Their bridges were well and truly burnt on that one. If they thought they were going to get some future mileage out of Hogan versus Sting, it was dead on arrival right there. But you're still going to get a few channel hoppers on there, so you would think. But yeah, KISS in 1999. I mean, the die was cast when Tony, of course, was very pleased Said, oh, yes, I saw KISS in 1978. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Tony Schiavone. Not exactly Mr. Cool. You're trying to get eyes on the product. And there you are openly admitting that here are a band who you saw live in concert 21 years ago. Not the people you need to be pulling in. It's like, I'm sorry guys, another football reference, I'm sorry, a soccer reference here. Uh, In the first season of Monday Night Football here, when Sky got the rights to the FA Premier League, no, it was one of the first matches they had, I think it was the second Monday Night Football between Southampton and Man United. Now, in the hour-long build-up, they had UB40 miming to their latest hit. Now, how many people bought a subscription on the basis of that? Very little, I would, It's like, I don't know, we had the Charity Shield here a few weeks ago, like, Status Quo doing a 50-minute concert before the match. It's Appealing to the wrong people and you're not gonna keep eyes on the product. They're not going to. You you don't watch pro wrestling for a live content, no matter who it is. Now I'm trying to put aside my animus towards uh, towards KISS. It doesn't matter who it is, even if it's a band you like, no, you're not gonna tune in to watch wrestling week after week because of it. And the fact they think that KISS, you know, it's all about merchandise with them, they're trying to do a spin-off with the KISS demon. And what is he going to do? He's going to come up to God of Thunder and he's going to wear face paint. Yeah? Great. And... Straight in at the Nassau Coliseum with disorderly conduct as Mean Mike and Tough Tom v. Regal and Taylor and here he comes with power bombs for all. Luger and Baseball Cap chat with Gene. He suggests Hulkamania might have stood for good in the distant past but the last three years have exposed Hogan as a sham. He will tonight provide irrefutable evidence of what a no-good scammer Hogan is. The Pride of Germany arrives with his interpreter. Riggs beats Lash with a famous as all of Deadpool watch on. Vampiro tells Scotty he owes him. The revolution outer out, so they've got T-shirts now. It looks like Douglas is their mouthpiece. Self-appointed, I would suggest. He tells New York they are the real deal. Saturn wants Rick for the TV title at 4Brawl and Benoit issues an open challenge. Kazvi Lodi, the brothers, do a switcheroo, so Kenny gets rolled up and pinned for a three-count. The result stands. Obviously, the result stands. Hogan is here, and by the sounds of it, New York will always be New York for him. He was a champion when he left this city. Nope. And he's a champion now, he's back. The red and yellow came back because his son told him it was right, and again, there is no way he will stab Sting in the back. Today he is going to, and again, I quote because I could not make this up, eat fruit and be cool. Who needs punchlines when he's around? La Parker and Blitzkrieg versus Ray and Eddie. It's been too long since we saw the Blitz on Nitro, but he hasn't lost the step. Not much time given to this one, sadly, but what we are allowed is tremendous. Guerrero pinning Blitzkrieg with the Frog Splash. So here is the debut of Berlin, which you will hear about very shortly now. Lex is back. Hogan is a phony and a coward. He knows this because somebody in red and yellow went through his bags. What could he have been looking for? The Windam's against Chaos and the Prince, and Kendall wins with a knee. The Heat look for revenge from last week, Booker Spin kicks Kendall and it bizarrely counts a three for it, or does the ref, but then the rednecks come in and they bring the hog Time. More Luger. He takes no pleasure in what he is about to do. He calls out Sting in order to see it all. He shows him a picture supposedly proving Hogan was the driver of the Hummer two months ago and almost ended Kevin Nash's life and career, as he puts it. Hogan jogs down to the ring to remonstrate and still thinks Lex is up to something. Before we get a full answer though, DDP knocks Hogan down. Hammer v Buff as Berlin's team look on, the blockbuster gets the win. Nailing the coffin on Mike Enos means Evan secures a victory. Well, he owes Vampiro. And it's the Kiss Demon. Not now, Vampiro, not this time. Hugh Morris, Brian Nobbs vs d Malenko, Shane Douglas ends in the double countout. Oh, Hogan, what now? He is going to throw mud in Luger's face next week. Tonight, though, he has a favour to ask Goldberg. He is sick of DDP jumping him, so wants Bill to let him have Page tonight. A fan in the crowd wants a triple threat, but Goldberg says a two-on-three be the triad instead. Disco B. Rick is over fast with the Bulldog. There's also not much to Jerry Flynn vs Benoit. It ends in a DQ though when the first family get in. Got to protect Jerry Flynn, everybody. Benoit sets his sights on Sid for brawl. Goldberg-Hogan vs Jersey triad rounds off the month. Paige hits Goldberg with a chair and cutter, but with all that going on, Hulk pins Bam Bam anyway. We cut to the back to see Sting going into Hogan's locker room only to find Savage and for us to find a conveniently placed camera. Well, finally, ladies and gentlemen,
2: or should I say, hopefully, finally, we're going to hear something from this mystery man. You have arrived tonight. Alles aufgepasst! Ich habe eine Botschaft an die What did he say? Attention! Berlin has a message for the WCW. All right. Ich beherrsche die Kunst des Ringens, die die amerikanischen Ringe gar nicht verstehen. speaking English, I know better than that. He says, he has the knowledge of wrestling that the American wrestlers don't understand. Wenn eure Ringer ringen, ist das nur ringen. When I ring, it is Kunst! I understood that. What did he say? He said, when your wrestlers wrestle, it's just wrestling. When he wrestles, it's an art. You've got more, my friend? Ich wurde von einem Konsortium. Ich wurde von einem Konsortium von Geschäftsleuten zur perfekten Maschine trainiert und keiner, aber auch keiner baut Maschinen besser als die Deutschen. Back to the interpreter. Tell me what he said. He said he was built by a consortium of German businessmen and made into a perfect machine. Nobody builds machines better than the Germans. Ich bin bereit. I have the first man I will destroy He says that he is ready He has chosen the first man he will destroy You have chosen the first man Buff Bagwell. Buff Bagwell. Buff Bagwell. Wow, Buzz that's Bagwell? a challenge. Out of all of the wrestlers in World Championship Wrestling, why, Berlin, would you pick Buff Bagwell? Says, Bagwell represents what the Americaner ausmacht Excess, narcissism, and Selbstgenuss. The deutsche Maschine will ihn zerstören. He says Bagwell represents what Americans are all about. Excess, narcissism, and self-indulgence, and the German machine will destroy him.
0: Final discussion of the month. And that is somebody who has also been heavily trialed throughout August. Plenty of TV vignettes for this man. Fairly professionally done. Of a guy with slick back hair, wearing sunglasses. Shot against shots of the Berlin Wall coming down ten years ago. Somebody who indeed does go by the name of Berlin, with a Y, because vowels aren't cool or something. Berlin, you might just be able to recognize as Miss Still, the former, or indeed continuing, but no longer the, under the name of, Alex Wright. Coming out in what looked for me like a neo-Nazi getup, coming across like Herr Flick from Allow Alone, if you want my opinion.
2: Oh. Ah, good evening Herr Flick. <laughs> Oh my god.
3: There's no reason to
0: cease your jollification just because a senior Gestapo officer
3: in a particularly foul mood is entering your premises.
0: With a bunch of other guys in trench coats and a translator because he refuses to speak English these days, even though he can. Dan, two things here. One, I really don't think they should be messing around with Nazi iconography if they want to win people back. And two, what have they done with Alex Wright?
1: <laughs> yeah remember when like four or five years ago this guy was meant to be the next big thing and rick flair was really pushing him as as a talent that we that wcw we we could really get behind and give a good run to and now he's coming out in this get up let's just say that um i think again this is one of those instances where i really wish that some of our american um guests were on this show because According to sources, this gimmick has been pushed back a couple of times because of some uh, mass shooting that happened in uh, Columbine. Columbine, yes. And again, when we're talking about neo-Nazis and mass shootings and associating them with a wrestling character, to me, I think this should just be, OK, the, 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 maybe the intention wasn't to draw on that. But if connections are being made, let's just abandon and start again because as soon as that connection is made to something as truly horrific as that, get out. don't even try and make it work. I think it's one of those things where it's too bad just get away from it. And they can go oh no it's, it's about in the metal scene of you know the Ramstein fans of, of German industrial metal and oh no it, you know he's a bit goofy he, you know he's just give it time that the character breathe no just just stop. Get out while we can. Let the other companies get the controversy. Let all the heat go onto them. We'll do our own thing. WCW can make themselves different by being a bit—I don't know—not not safe, but definitely more wholesome than the other competition. This guy could be a lightning bolt, lightning rod, if they push him, and people make the connections. I don't think this this gimmick is going anywhere fast and that's a shame because Alex Wright is a good wrestler again we've, we've said this for almost four or five years you know he was funny with Disco Inferno he was funny as you know the dancing act transitioning into this black coat trench wearing sunglasses indoors refusing to speak gimmick to me is is a too much a contrast to make it work and two very badly timed of no of no you know, met you know,
0: no fault of WCW, but unfortunately, it's just circumstances. No, you're definitely right about the Columbine thing. I remember reading two or three months ago, shortly after that happened, the mainstream media, as is their once, they just tried to leap on somebody to blame, and they lighted on two uh, places really. They blamed Marilyn Manson, just seems ludicrous to me, and what passes for entertainment for the kids these days? In which pro wrestling was mentioned to the point where it was actually discussed backstage at the World Wrestling Federation that the brood should no longer wear, wear trench coats to the ring, lest they be seen as to be making some capital out of uh, the tragedy. I mean that was completely accidental. No. <laughs> the federation do do this a lot; they sell close to the wind sometimes on real life events, but uh, I'm gonna let them slide on that one. I don't think there was any any intent behind that they didn't keep on wearing them as anything to do with columbine or anything like it here on the other hand a gimmick which has been in the works by the sound of it for some time alex wright has been off tv for almost a year now i believe it was all there wasn't it it was the very least at the back of most viewers minds i think six or seven guys in trench coats Doic stern expressions eyes hidden behind dark glasses with slick back hair it's it's not hard to make these connections people are going to do it whether it's intended on the part of WCW or not people are going to link the two things together at the best of times so you do not on an entertainment show want to be playing around with this I mean the day's Surely of the stereotypical German heel are decades behind us. Uh, It isn't as much as some people would still want it to be in certainly in this country, for example. Now, it isn't 1945 anymore. Uh, Thank God it isn't. Well, anybody would want to live through that again is beyond me. I know people who did. And trust me, uh, isn't anything to want to return to. And. I mentioned Allo Allo there, which, for those who don't know, was a British comedy series, mainly aired in the 1980s, which took a occupied France is where it was set. And it was obviously done in a very light hearted way. You know, the German characters were rather stereotypical. The French characters are rather stereotypical, really. And it ran for about eight series in this country was extremely popular, got millions and millions of viewers. And it never really got much of a backlash. Because, once again, it was mocking other people in the war who weren't, in this case, Great Britain. And we do like that sort of thing. German people, in so many forms of entertainment, are one of either two things. You know, they're a dancing Euro popster or they're an evil Nazi. Alex Wright has had to play both of those characters in World Championship Wrestling. I can imagine him turning up at World Championship Wrestling in 94 and Ric Flair, who was the booker at the time, saying that, yes, you're going to have to wear you know, short green shorts, you're going to have to dance around a bit, but you will get a chance to show off your wrestling skills. I think on the swing of things, Alex Wright would have taken this. I would like to hear, or maybe I wouldn't, like to hear his views on this particular gimmick, that he's now been saddled with this. I'm worried about what some of the promos are going to be. There were already hints when I'm talking about Evil America in this one. Are they going to go the whole hog with it? I really hope they don't. And it's such a dangerous game and a game you don't need to play, especially as his first food is only going to be with Buff Bagwell.
1: Well, what about that tattoo on your chest? Doesn't it say, die, Bart, die? No, that's German for <laughs> the Bart, the. No! <laughs>
0: no one who speaks German could be an evil man dan thank you for joining me for this undulating walk through world championship wrestling in august 1999 there were some highs there really were yeah no no problem or or, or not lows shall we say
1: no problem always a pleasure
0: bashing him (laughs) bold bastard only got three mentions um dan where can people find you and Anything else you want to mention while you've got the chance? Um, Yeah, so if you would like to
1: uh, find me on Twitter, I'm at Daniel886, um, just if you are interested in that. And we um, are obviously on Patreon, so if you could give a little bit of a donation and and you will get access to a ton and ton of bonus content, which is stretching back almost a year now, uh, really. So if you would like to contribute to the show in any way you can, that would be much appreciated as well.
0: Thank you very much, Dan. Absolutely. Um, just the usual stuff you do when doing a podcast. Where can you find us, etc.? We're on Twitter at Wrestling Twenty Yrs. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, I control the Twitter account, so by all means, say hello, talk about anything you've heard on this show or any of our other shows. And Mister Lace will only be too happy for you to do the same on Facebook, particularly if it is about Rob Van Dam. Uh, you can find me in many other places as well, many other message boards. You can find me on the blog of doom. You can find me on the Our Vantage Point pages and a shout out for their excellent podcast, too. So we've been doing this for six years now. If you've been somebody who has been listening right from the start or this is our first show, we, of course, want to thank you. Do please leave us a review on whatever they're calling iTunes these days. Apple Podcasts, I believe, is its name. Now, all reviews are read. Everything is taken on board. If you just want to drop us five stars to say great show, guys, listen every month. Keep up the good work. We're happy for that. But any form of constructive criticism is more than welcome to. And while we're here, Dan and I, you might just be able to hear on our friends at Place to Be Nation, one of their platforms in a few days or weeks where we will be helping out with their or your maybe if you're compiling this GWE. That's their top 100 televised WWE matches. Uh, We will be looking at three matches from the 2010s, uh, dissecting them, given our viewpoints, whether we think they would rank in any prospective list of ours. Uh, That will hopefully be going out on the Nation platform in a few weeks as soon as I talk to Justin to find out if he still wants to do it. So listen out for that. Uh, For us, as far as we're concerned, I will be taking a month off in September. But the guys will, of course, be giving you the three shows as normal. Uh, To jump ahead the next time you will hear from me, then, is October, when we're going to have plenty of shows. We're going to have two WWFs. And yes, we are going to be looking at Heroes of Wrestling, and we already have volunteers to beat on that particular one. But Dan, if you want to make it, uh, I think it'd be the fifth person to be on that program. You're more than welcome. Do you know what we mean by Heroes of Wrestling? I don't speak, you won't hear me. <laughs> and Dan will be on the show as well <laughs> we will right into that one uh, just a quick recap on the other shows if you missed them for August 99 our WWF show looks at SummerSlam our WCW show looks at ECW and their debut on TNN he is Dan Welling I am Rory McNamara keep listening to these shows because if you don't you'll have to bring your fucking dinner
3: coming back at me when I'm shouting at you above the crowd and above the next venue. Because I'll run this fucking football club until I'm told otherwise by the fucking circus upstairs and if you come back at me you'll be off the field and you'll be following Terry down the road. You come and see me tomorrow you've got a fortnight's notice because that performance is the straw that <coughs> put the camels back and that will be not, not be tolerated in this dressing room while I'm in charge with Chris Turner. That is the fucking straw that broke the camel's back. That is typical fucking Lake norian. Six, you're too intense, you're fucking this, you're that, no one can talk to you. I never fucking followed two good games, I a <coughs> fucking done like that. The reason I was intense because I wanted to play well again. And I'm wasting my breath on some of you. I'm wa- wasting my breath on some of you. What do I say to you about good players They want to be good players all the time? Don't you know how profound that is if you're not examining the fucking words? Because you've had two good performances and you think I'm fucking Bertie big bollocks tonight, I'll fucking play how I like. But you won't play your life because if you play your like, I'll fucking stick the youth to you. So if I'm gonna take abuse from a bunch of cockroaches behind me, <coughs> I'll take abuse by doing it my way. And that is fucking conformity, not fucking non-conformity. So you, you little cunt, when I tell you to do something, and you your fucking big cunt when I tell you to do something, do it. And if you come back at me, we'll have a fucking right sort out of here all right and you can pair up if you like and you can fucking pick someone else to help you and you can bring your fucking dinner because by the time i'm finished with you you'll fucking need
2: it do you fucking hear what i'm saying or not you see me in the morning